Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, December 4th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of day. We're going to open phone lines right now, so jump in and join us. Remember, we do have a new phone number now to dial in. Grab something to write with, and I'll give it to you. The number to join us, anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about, pick up the phone right now and dial 319-527-6791. You can also use the call-in button on your app. That will work just fine. Before we get started, I want to uh, address the dumpster fire that happened on Friday. That would be my attempt at a show. It was a really frustrating day. We, we had one good show with the new phone system, and then the next day, everything went to hell. Uh, the good news is I looked back at all the things that went wrong. None of them were technology issues or equipment failures. Every mistake on Friday was operator error. I started wrong. I... <sighs> can't even describe to you how many things I did wrong and then finally got so frustrated I just shut it down for the day. Um, I took a look at things over the weekend. I think today's show should be just fine. Like I said, uh, none of the issues were technology or um, software issues or hardware issues. It was just operator error. Um, I even got the Starlink working again. I did say on Friday that the Starlink was out um, Aaron shipped me his uh, unit so I'd have something for the trip back. But I figured what would it hurt to try to dry my Starlink out? It got wet because I tore the cover off of it and I didn't completely waterproof it. And uh, we got a rainstorm earlier than I expected and it obviously got wet and knocked the whole thing out. It just stopped working. But I brought it in and dried it out and it's working again. It's actually working pretty well, so I'm on the uh, Starlink for this show. Um, looks like everything's going okay. Hopefully, we will have good audio when we bring a caller in. Um, so, we'll uh, we'll see how the show goes today. I'm a little more confident today. Um, I'm not quite so frustrated. I had a very relaxing weekend. I did. Just about not. Well, I did absolutely nothing all day Saturday. I watched TV, I read, made a couple posts, and that was about it. I really rested on Saturday. Sunday, I rested most of the day, uh, but then I spent a couple hours working on some uh, minor plumbing issues around the coach. Uh, I'll finish up those up today or this week if I get some parts, but. Uh, Right now, my goal is to get the coach ready and myself ready uh, to make a pretty quick dash back across the country. Uh, I'll leave out of here on Saturday sometime. And I need, that's the 9th, I need to be in Boise by the 12th to do a, um, a presentation to the truckstop.com sales team. And then um, from Boise, uh, only about eight hours from home. So I am really looking forward to getting home. This was supposed to be a quick trip. Remember, things changed um, mostly because we bought the homestead and a couple other things. And, and this had originally been planned as a long trip, but Lisa and Diesel should have been with me. If they were here, I wouldn't care how long we stayed out on the road. 
Um, at the last minute, that all changed. I thought I was just going to do a quick in and out, and then that changed, and I've been out for, uh, well, it'll be over two months by the time I get home. So I am looking forward to getting home. Um, you know, I posted something this morning about learning from your mistakes. I, I'm a big believer in learning from mistakes. In fact, there is a business strategy that, that really kind of focuses on make your mistakes as fast as you can, learn from them, and move on. And I believe that. I, I learn far more from my mistakes than I do when I just happen to get something right. Sometimes that's just lucky. But there's another part to this, and it, it really became apparent to me the other day. Somebody posted on um, X about a truck um, that put them out of business. They had to just turn the truck back in. And they specifically said it was a Volvo and they would never, ever buy a Volvo again. And that's a mistake. You, you didn't learn the proper lesson from that mistake. Now, I asked them to come on the show and talk about it. And, you know, we, we could figure out, and, and instead of accepting, they just kept pointing out what happened. Well, this happened and they charged me $10,000 and it didn't fix anything. And then I went to another shop and this happened and all they wanted to do was to replace the transmission. Well, from the story, the transmission had a leak and so did the differentials. Well, well that's a problem. And there is no one brand that is inherently bad. There are certainly brands of, of truck manufacturers and engines and components that I'd like better. There's only been a few real disasters. But the idea that a brand is inherently bad is just false. And right now, if I, I've been pretty clear about this for quite a while now, if I had to pick a truck, it would be a Volvo for the platform, for the engine architecture, for the transmission options, for the fuel economy, for the maintenance costs, for the quality, for a lot of reasons. It doesn't mean it's the only truck I could make money with. Freightliner's not far behind. I do like the quality of a Volvo much better. Um, Mac is certainly in the running. I'm not a big fan of Packard only because I don't see a good engine choice. ISX and um, the Packard engine, I'm just not a big fan of them. Some people love them. Some people are successful in making money with those trucks. And if you have a good dealer near you and those are your preference for trucks, spec them right, maintain them right, drive them right, they'll be fine. It's not going to be the reason you go out of business. But the idea here was, well, I bought a truck. Um, it was a disaster. I'll never buy that kind of truck again. That's poor thinking. And I asked him, come on the show. We could help you with this. And the answer in the end was, well, I'm not going to come on the show because I don't understand enough about mechanics. Well, that's the problem. That's what started this. That's what I was trying to help him with. I was trying to educate him. Here's what you could have done different. And this may not have been a problem. Um, I wanted to ask him about how he bought the truck. What kind of inspections did he do? What were the specs? When the problem started, did he have a relationship with the shop? I, there, there are a lot of questions and a lot of reasons this went sideways. But here's somebody who believes they learned from their mistake and they really didn't. And they are not open to learning at all. They admitted they don't know enough about mechanics to even come on the air and explain the problem. 
which is the problem. The truck is an important part about running a trucking company. If you have one truck, you better buy it right. You better spec it right. You better operate it right. But to blame just a manufacturer and say that's why I failed is is just wrong thinking. And it doesn't seem like this person was open to uh, better thinking. All right, phone lines are open. We've got uh, we've got some calls. We could use some more. Jump in and join us. 319-527-6791. Anything goes. I'll stay here for the next three hours or until we run out of questions. So jump in and join us. A couple other things I just want to throw out there. Um, there is something going on in the world today with, uh, with sickness. There's the talk of this white lung pneumonia that's spreading out of China. Uh, the ne- Netherlands showed early cases. We have two states in the U.S. Um, that are raising red flags, Massachusetts and Ohio, mostly affecting children. There's a big belief that it's happening because many, many people have compromised their immune system through masking, vaccinations, lockdowns, poor, poor diet certainly is a big part of it. But I'm also seeing very healthy people getting sick. Now, the outcomes are better. I, I got sick. I was pretty miserable for a couple of days. I mostly got over it, although there, there's a little bit, there's a few symptoms kind of hanging out. And I'm hearing more of that, that people are having a harder time getting rid of what's going on. Now, for me, I do realize I, I was highly stressed during the week that I did get sick. I had really pushed everything beyond its limits. And that's the second time I did that. And it's the second time I got sick in nine years. So I realized that was a part of it. I also realized that these pathogens, viruses, bacteria, they're going to get worse. They're going to get stronger. They're going to mutate more. And keeping your immune system strong is critical today. I have started back up on the stress protocol, and I should have never stopped. I'm not going to stop this time. I'm going to make sure that I I do the stress protocol at least four times a week, and some of it seven days a week. The breathing, um, there's really no limit to how much you could do the breathing. The more you do, the more you benefit. I'm sure there's some limit somewhere. Most people probably aren't going to reach it. If you were doing two sets of four rounds a day, that would be very beneficial. Now, many of these pathogens and diseases are lung-related. Pneumonia, good deep breathing is good for your lungs. Wim Hof breathing is good for your immune system. It has a direct impact. It does it by activating your spleen. Your spleen is responsible for moving lymph fluid around and storing blood that you might need. And when we do the Wim Hof breathing, we activate the spleen to move that um, oxygenated blood into the system and move the lymph fluids around, which is a huge part of our immune system. Uh, conveniently, this morning, I actually, I just realized it. I, I forgot, I forgot to do my cold shower this morning. Imagine that. Uh, I may just have to do it right after the show. So keep your immune system strong. I think it's going to become critically important this season. I think it already is. If you have any questions about that, you can certainly ask. I'm also seeing a lot of signs that we're going to end up in a war. Uh, I was really hoping this wasn't going to happen. 
Uh, we got dragged into Ukraine. We don't hear much about that, but it's still going on. China's acting up again um, with Taiwan, and we will, I'm sure, um, jump in and defend them. Uh, and what's going on over in Israel and Gaza right now, uh, our ships, now both military and commercial ships, are coming under attack in that part of the world. I didn't realize it, but we already have warships there. Um, and I'm seeing posts about units, military units here in the U.S. being activated. It's not a good sign, but it's something to uh, definitely keep an eye on. All right, we are going to get to the phones. Calls are open. Jump in and join us. 319-527-6791. Let's get started in Connecticut. Ron, good morning. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. You uh, you sound like you're halfway across the room. Can you get closer to your mic or your phone or something? Yeah. I just, just thought the best I could do. I'm, I'm in a freight liner, so it's a, it's a little loud here. All right. I'm sorry. I'll, uh, I'll turn your volume up, and we'll see what we can do. Go ahead. All right. So uh, I'm calling about uh, seasoning cast iron. Um, I belong to a couple Facebook groups, and uh, the big oil that they seem to like using is canola, which, you know, I don't want to put anywhere near me. And when I raise the question about using that kind of oil, everybody's reasoning is, well, you, you know, when you, when you season it in high temperature, it gets rid of everything that makes that oil bad. Bullshit. Bullshit. It makes yeah. it, it makes That's, it worse. When, when right. we... That, that's, heat damages all fats, depending on the type of fats, saturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, many oils are more susceptible to heat, and all of the plant oils are susceptible to heat. They're already damaged because of the way they were processed, and then heating them again damages them even more. Now, let me say this. When you season the pan properly, there's very little of that oil residue left anyway. I, I'm not all that concerned about it, but why not just use a good, high-quality animal fat? I tend to season mine with beef tallow. Yeah, I've been using uh, avocado oil. That's fine, but, too. But uh, consensus, okay, well, again, the consensus there is that they say the smoke point is between 500 and 520, and my oven only goes up to 550, so they're saying it's not getting hot enough to do it anyway. Bullshit. Which, that, you know, I, I, where, where do yeah. these people come up with that? I can easily do a good job of seasoning a pan at 500 degrees. Okay. Now, I have a lot of bacon fat. Would that, would that work also? Yep. Works just fine. Good quality yeah. animal fats work great. Okay, yeah, because all my bacon and pork and everything I get from the local farm, so it's all properly raised and all that, so it's good high-quality fat. Yeah, that's what I would use. All right, I'd so I, I don't. Okay. I, I don't um, know why people complicate this kind of stuff so much. To to say that you can't season a pan at 500 degrees is is total bullshit. Just about every pan on the planet's been seasoned at something around that temperature or less. Okay. Uh, one other quick question. So I I heard you say it was the last week or week before about um, organic valley uh, heavy cream. That that's about 
one of the better ones you can buy in the store. So I, I'm having a hard time finding good heavy cream. So I went to look at it and went to get it. And one of the ingredients is uh, gelatin gum, G-E-L-L-A-N gum. I looked it up and it said it's, a, it's like a plant product. So, Do you I, know anything about that? Or? I'm having a hard time understanding. It's it's a gum. What kind was it? Gelatin. Uh, G-E-L-L-A-N. Never even heard of that one. There's all kinds of gums that... And you said this is in Organic Valley? Yes. Yep. There was only three ingredients, and the last ingredient was this gelatin gum. So I was just wondering if that's good, bad, and different... Uh, most gums are used for. Um, I gotta go look this up. Uh, hold on. Um, what? Tell me exactly which organic Valley product you're working looking at. The heavy whipping cream. I have some in my refrigerator right now. I don't think I can reach it, um, but I'm gonna look this up. I'm, I don't believe I have ever seen that um, ingredient. I was a little shocked by it, honestly. Now, I'm on the East Coast, so I don't know if, you know, different areas put different things in products, or I don't know, you know, but... Uh, honestly, I asked my wife, I asked my wife to get it, and she looked at it, and she said, she didn't get it because it had this gum in it, and I keep telling her I don't want anything with gums in it, but then I had to go back to the store and look at it. <laughs> Okay, um, it looks like this is something new. Um, hold on one second. Well, I just threw mine away, so I couldn't tell if this last um, container had it or not, but I'm gonna double check that. There's really no good reason to put a gum in heavy whipping. Gums are added to keep things emulsified so they don't separate. A tiny little bit sometimes of guar gum is not that big of a deal. Like, so in a in a big bottle of hot sauce, when I make my own hot sauce, I might put an eighth of a teaspoon of guar gum in there, and that's enough to stop it from separating. Um, I'm a little torn on doing that. Not all of these gums are kind of hard on our digestion. They're not really good for us. Um, I'm going to continue looking into this. If Organic Valley is adding a gum, I'm going to stop using it. Yeah, it, it's it, it's frustrating that it's it's frustrating that it's so hard getting good, clean dairy products. You know, I, I really prefer A2, but A2 is pretty rare on the market yet um, and not easy to find at all. I would love if I could just buy raw cream somewhere, but in most states that's pretty darn difficult to do. Uh, it, it's We went through this with the whole yogurt. It is shocking how hard it is to get good quality dairy in a lot of parts of the country. And when, when I'm traveling, it's even harder. Yeah, like I said, I wish I could just get raw cream somewhere. Raw heavy cream, raw half and a half, raw milk. I, You know, I, at home I can get raw milk fairly easily, but if I want cream, I, I've got to separate it myself and then I lose the rest of the milk. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for the heads up on that because um, 
that, that, that's good to know. And uh, I didn't check that. You know, one of the things I guess I need to be more careful about is is rechecking labels. I've been buying Organic Valley forever, and it never had that gum in there. Like I said, I was looking. I thought I threw one away yesterday, but I can't find it. And I need to order some today. I'm, I'm out of heavy cream myself. I need to do a uh, Instacart order, but I guess I need to really look to see what my options are on dairy. Ideally, I wish I could get th- this would be perfect if I could get raw A2 dairy in whatever form I wanted. Whole milk, half and half, heavy cream, whatever it might be. Um, butter would be awesome, too. But I just don't see those products available. Certainly not raw. That's really hard to find. Um, But I can't find, many times I can't find good, clean uh, dairy. Here's another problem that we found. Many of the cleaner organic products like Organic Valley, one of the problems I have with them, not only is it A1, but it's also ultra pasteurized with high temperatures. I don't want that either. I want a slow, gentle pasteurization. Alexander's is my go-to dairy. It's just hard to get in a lot of places. At home, the only way I can get it is through Azure. Since I've been on the road, I haven't been able to find it at all. Uh, I may have to go look for a source for that today. All right, phone lines are open. Calls are slow. Jump in and join us. Um, I'll stay here till we run out of questions. Honestly, if that had normally, I always commit to doing an hour show no matter what. Um, this week, if calls run out before an hour, I will uh, end the show and move on with my day. I've got a lot to get done this week. Uh, I will stay here as long as you've got questions, but I'm not going to try to extend the show without questions. I'll. Uh, I'll get some other stuff done. So if you want to jump in and join us, 319-527-6791. Let's go to Michigan this time. Dave, welcome to the program. Yeah, good day. I'd just like to weigh in on the Organic Valley products. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I believe there is another product called Heavy Cream. It's nothing but cream. They put the gallon gum in so it doesn't separate in the butter. So it whips. So it will whip into like whipping, you know, whipped cream. Otherwise, it would separate. Well, no. It well, um, I, I, maybe that is why they do it. But I can promise you, I have whipped cream from raw milk, from every kind of milk without gums, and it does not turn into butter unless you don't know what you're doing. Well, I'm just saying through the, you know, like through industrial, they're they're widespread. So sitting around, moving in the trucks, it would probably want to, you know, clump up and the butter or the the butter fat would would start to turn into butter and separate you know without that um but they do i believe they do have another product just heavy cream not heavy whipping cream it's heavy cream yeah so you, you, I, I just I, wanted to no, that's a, that. that's a that's a good tip i'll look that up because if if organic valley is the only thing i can get i may even switch to half and half if it doesn't have the gum in it but I'll check to see if I can just get um, cream, heavy cream, not whipping cream. Uh, like I say, I just can't believe that getting good quality dairy is as complicated as it is. Well, it's the regulations, you know. Like, I'm a, I'm a farmer myself, and I, my family dairy farms, and I actually had the Organic Valley people come out, because um, I'm an organic I'm a farmer. 
my dad isn't, but uh, I was looking at maybe starting a small herd. And at the time, they didn't have room on the truck for, for to take on more organic farms. Okay. So the more the more popular and widespread and mainstream it becomes, the better it'll become. The better it'll be for everybody. So, as a farmer, maybe you could answer this question for me. Is there any real downside to switching to a breed of cow that produces A2 milk? Downside, uh, the biggest downside is production. You know, um, the A2 breeds um, will typically not produce as much. Ah, okay. But, it's, but then if you're, if you, but they're, you're also paid on components. You're paid on protein. You're paid on butter fat and, and quality. So some, I, I don't know the breakdown of it all. You know, right offhand, but I know if you got you know high butter fat content, you know there's there's a premium. If you have high protein, higher protein, there's a premium. Um, so you know, one of the do th- one do of the things I tend to notice um, about the only A two brand I've really had quite a bit of and and studied quite a bit is Alexander's. And many of their products are higher in butter fat than traditional milk products. Their whole milk is Correct. is higher in butter fat. That's another reason why I like it. The more fat, the better. I mean, that that's what I'm looking for, high butter fat content. I started finding right. European-style butters that are grass-fed, but European butter has a higher butter fat content than American-style butters. makes it even better. I, I just wish it, it was easier to find good quality A2. It's just so difficult. Right. I, I don't even think Organic Valley has that. They don't. Not that um, I've seen. No, they do have um, another product, or it's another, it's actually another farms and everything's separate, is, is grass milk. Right. So the grass milk right. farmers are, you know, they're on a different truck. It's all, you know, kept segregated. And, uh, you know, when you're feeding grass, you don't get a lot of production. We, but which, like I said, it's going to be yellow. You know, it's going to have more creamier yellow texture, um, color, and, and and the good stuff will be better. But you know, we got to weigh the production against premiums on the other stuff. You know, it's, a, it's an economics thing too. It, it is an economics thing, and unfortunately, we've been brainwashed in this country to just want cheap food. And and the people who right. are willing to spend more there's just not enough of a market for it yet organic valley is not my first go-to it's organic but it's it's not grass-fed so i do typically look for the grass milk when i can find it but that's harder to find alexander's not all of their products are grass-fed some are standard some are organic some are grass-fed so you got to be careful with that and like i said it's just the products I want almost don't even exist. Right. Now, I would say, based on the integrity of the companies, you got two main players, that, at least that I'm aware of in, in, you know, in the Midwest, Horizon, and that's, um, that's, owned, that's a big, you know, that's a big outfit. I, um, I don't recall who owns it, but, you know, there's, it's a big outfit. It's a division of one of the bigger food companies. And then Organic Valley, which is a farmer-owned cooperative. Um, and I think higher organic Valley has higher standards and a little more integrity. Um, so, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's tough even on our end, you know, on the farm sites, like, man, I'm willing to do something different, but I got to get paid. And yeah, there, how do you, uh, 
There's no doubt. I mean, they've made it difficult just to move to organic. It's expensive. It's risky. um, It's time consuming. It's not easy to do. And organic is just the basic first step, especially with dairy. There's so much more to it than just being organic. Um, But it, it is the market. You know, hopefully um, we've been able to overcome that in the meat section, you know, that 10 years ago, trying to find good quality meat was almost impossible. And now there are options everywhere. I really hope this starts to happen with dairy, but I'm not seeing it yet. Right. Well, I mean, the, in the conventional market, I mean, the dairies, you know, where I grew up, we were, you know, right on the county line, two biggest dairy counties in the state. And, um, 40, 50, you know, 100 cow dairies. And uh, now since 2000, early 2000 or so, everybody's going, everybody's just giving it up and going to crop farming. And the big guys, the foreigners are coming in from Ireland and from Netherlands. Four, you know, six, eight, one, one guy that, that's in the area, he's had multiple dairy operations and he's, he's over 30,000 cows, you know, and then it's like, there's no future. My brother still milks. My brother and my dad still milk. My, I got twin boys that are 18. I was like, yeah, we can keep going, but it's, there's no future in this. If we're going to milk cows, we should go to something a little higher value, more niche, you know, and, and uh, where the market don't, you know, try and put us out of business every, you know, six months. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, it looks like, though, our, our tribe's coming through for me. Sarah just sent me something. Thing, uh, and I'm trying to probably shouldn't try to read this while I'm doing a show, but um, I need to order some groceries today. So something here in Nashville called the turnip truck. Uh, and it looks like they even deliver. So I, after the show today, I'm going to get off and uh, see if I, what I can order from them. That might be exciting. I can stock up for the rest of my trip. Yep. Yep. So, you know, the problem with especially dairy is logistics and then, you know, the, it's regional. Some some places will support it, some won't. And you got to realize the grocers, you know, it's like they're not going to let it sit on the shelf. And oh, no, of course it. not. So, um, but uh, I know we, I've inquired about stuff, and like, but our, our local community, they won't, they won't support it. You know, they're, they're Walmart mentality. So that is an issue, no doubt. All right, Dave, yep. thanks for the uh, for the heads up. Good information. Looks like I'm back to um, researching dairy. I had kind of gotten away from it because I was able to get the Alexander product from Azure, but um, now that I'm on the road, certainly been more difficult. So I will work on that after the show. Let's go to Wisconsin. Matt, welcome. Hey, good morning, Kevin. <clears throat> What's on your mind uh, today? Good to hear from Dave. I- Dave and I are friends. Dave came to a CMC many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago now in Kansas City yet. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's got some other interesting things going on. If you know, he ever wants to talk about them with uh, a Napa store. Oh, yeah, that might he's, be interesting. Experienced in different business. Yeah, but, um, you know, him and I have talked many times about farming and different things, and that is a huge problem. Location and, you know, the market for any of these smaller, you know, the regenerative stuff is smaller. Very small. Yeah. Well, if if you don't have, well, unless you're selling direct, consumer direct, and that's what most of them do, because that's obviously where your most profit is. But 
you know, in order to market and sell and have a store and that, you know, operate a, all that, they're, they're, now you're talking twice as much labor. That's a big, big deal, and, right? Yeah, that is not easy to sell dairy to direct, do. especially dairy. I mean, you it's know? it's a it's a um, a very time limited product. Yep, and you know, there's unless you're on the outskirts of a major city, usually, you know, most small time farmers are out in rural areas. Right. Well, the rural market really doesn't see the value in uh, organic and all that. It, well, it, it's there, but it's not near as big as the inner city. Right. It, right. In the, I guess the price point isn't there, is what I should say. Because, yeah, I, I watch a small couple of small dairy farmers on YouTube, and one of them, he's, I don't know, 40, 50 miles north of where I'm at, and he was saying he almost lost his farm because the people he was selling his milk to cut the route. There just wasn't enough demand in the area. They were cutting the truck route. They had no, you know, he'd lost who he could sell milk to. Luckily, he found another one, but it's probably not going to last long because it sounds like it's a 300-mile route to fill a truck. Wow. Well, you can't cost justify that on small numbers. No. Versus, you know, these large 10,000 head where they're just loading semi-trailers direct. They don't even have a, a local truck coming around making pickups. They got a, they usually have like three, four docks where they semi-trailers that have dropped and hooked. Wow. Their storage is, is trailers. It's yeah. not even their, their own bulk tank. You, you, you know, I'm sure but, what makes this far more difficult, and I, I, I know the system would be different. It, it, I, I don't know why a small local farm can't sell milk directly on its farm. That that well, should, that just well, should be standard everywhere. Can, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so rare. Yep. And here's something else I, I saw, and this was in Oregon. So I say, you, you'll hear me make the statement, Oregon, you know, decriminalized all drugs, but I can't buy raw milk in Oregon. I have to go over to Washington to do it. Technically, it's not true. You yep. are allowed to sell raw milk in Oregon from the farm, but very few do it, and here's why. The insurance companies were actually checking yep. on farms. If they, if they were insuring a dairy farm in Oregon, the, the insurance company would check, and if they were selling raw milk off their farm, they would cancel their insurance policy. Yep, product liability insurance. Yep. There's almost nobody that will write it for raw milk. And why? There's not a big incidence of raw milk making people sick. It's pretty rare. We have all kinds of food products that make, pe make people sick all the time. Lettuce is a big one. I can't count how many outbreaks of things like E. coli and that we've had from lettuce. And yet we can't sell raw milk. Either the government or the insurance industry will shut you down. Something's wrong with that. Yeah. Well, and then one other thing, uh, Joel Salatin's podcast, Beyond Labels. Yeah. Sometime, I don't remember which date it was, but he did something on the whole labeling of these names and terms. They're bastardizing regenerative egg now. Oh, you got to be kidding. So in the terminology, in order to label something regenerative, one of the only criteria you have to meet is no-till. No way. But you can spray all the chemicals on it you want. No, no way. As long as you don't till the soil. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I, they couldn't have screwed that up anymore if they tried. That had things, to be intentional. Yep. Well, yeah, it's the larger food producers 
they want to sell at the higher price point. Yep. So they need rules as to what constitutes, you know, can we put this label on there? And they lobby Congress to, or the USDA or whoever to, you know, make it as lenient as possible. Because in that whole that podcast, they went into the whole hormones for in chicken and all that and how yeah. who, Tyson, whoever it was that first started labeling chicken that way, and they, their sales went through the roof. Well, hormones have never been fed to chicken. Uh, Everybody's <laughs> chicken is hormone-free. <laughs> which, which is why he labeled his podcast, named his podcast Beyond Labels. Because labels are well, our worst enemy when it comes to food. The more well, information the government mandates is on a label, the more the market can screw with it and confuse everybody. You know, and that's, that's what marketers are very good at, and that's why it is very, very difficult to market on your own. Yeah, sure like, is. Like say, especially in a, in a rural area, it gets even harder. And then the shipping cost, I mean... Look at, you know more than most of us what your shipping department and all that, your little store is. That's that's technically small scale. We have looked at trying to ship non-shelf-stable products, like refrigerated or frozen. Forget it. There's just no way. We would have to make such a huge investment in that, and we would have a very, very hard time ever making it back. Yep. Yeah, that's then. Yeah, price goes, and especially frozen. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm surprised the amount of frozen meat that is making the market, but the margin on that has got to be so small after shipping. Yeah, and it's outrageously yeah. priced. Right. I mean, you're you're paying a right. premium for this stuff delivered, but yet the the producer they're not making any more money if they just shipped it to market. No, no, not at all. It, uh, our our food supply is just horribly corrupted. So, the actual reason for my call today is more on uh, investing, and you had several calls last week about it. Uh, I'll just give an update. Since I have moved all of my regular savings, checking, other than, you know, what I need for several weeks as a... Uh, Needed in my checking accounts. I moved everything either into money markets or mostly in the stock market on a, just a personal brokerage. Not I'm not talking about 401ks or educational savings for the kids and all that. And the even the S&P pays a dividend. But so my monthly statement for November between dividends and interest earned $415 for the month. Wow. I'm liking these high interest rates. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> I'm debt, debt free and, and putting money into earning. You know, this is, if anything, that's the one ray of sunshine I've tried to find in this economy. And, and I go back to just getting out of high school and looking for a job when we were going through stagflation that time. Crazy high interest rates. The problem for me was I was broke. And if anything, I needed to borrow money. And that's when the interest rates will kill you. But I've talked about this. I had a brother-in-law who was teaching me how to paint cars. And so I also, you know, spent time with him in the garage on the weekends. And uh, he was a body man. 
and worked harder than anybody I've ever seen and managed his money better than anybody. And he was still pretty young at the time. If I remember right, he was probably still in his 20s. Um, he was telling me how he just kept buying $10,000 CDs because they were paying 12% interest. And that there was those kind of interest rates can be fantastic if you've got a lot of cash. Yeah. And that's some, you know, during this last year, as interest rates have climbed or over a year now, you know, people have been asking about that, buying CDs. And I kind of been recommending against it because you're tying your money up. Yeah. Which a lot of them were like 12 to 15 months to get that kind of interest rate. Right. But, but now that the, the, the rates have kind of leveled off and, if we ever do see the economy start to slide a little bit, I would be buying CDs in a heartbeat then. Well, you you are correct. Up till this point, you were better off just moving your money to a money market. They were paying just as yep. much as CDs with no locking in. And if rates keep going and up, it, you're going to be better off. But you're right. The money if, market adjusts every month. Yep. yep. Goes up. But if the trend starts to go back down then you would be better off to lock in a couple of those CDs at that rate. Because that's the only tool the Fed or our government, whoever you want to call them, I mean, it's the Fed that actually does it, but they're somewhat controlled by the government, even though they're technically not, say they're not. Right. If our economy starts to collapse, the only tool they have to boost the economy is lower interest rates. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and they're already talking about it. They have already stated they're not going to raise rates. That's over. And they were pretty, there was pretty high odds that they were going to raise the the rate a quarter of a basis point. There was even fairly good odds that they might not raise it, drop it. Um, There are fairly good odds that they might drop it a half a basis point. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the day that happens, I'll be buying CDs. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't hurt to lock in a couple. I may do that as well. Lock in a couple. Um, and honestly, I'll lock them in for as long as they'll let me at that rate. So <clears throat> I had a call, and it wasn't on the show, but it was a call about um, his retirement and the company it's with isn't really performing. Yeah. And asking about, you know, doing it on his own versus having a managed account. And if you're low enough numbers, I don't see the need for a managed account. What I, because a lot of people, including myself, you know, we look this stuff up and we talk about it and, yep, that's a good idea and that's what I should do and never do it. So what he was talking about was having to completely open a new account at somewhere else. The first thing I would do is where he already had his, I don't know if it was an IRA or what it was, if they have just a regular self-managed brokerage account there, or, I, well, you want to roll it into an IRA. You don't want to move it to a outside of a retirement account. Right. If they have a self-managed there, just open a new account there and transfer the money. You don't need to really change companies and get it into that S&P 500. Yeah, that's one of the options we'll look at. There still can be fairly significant difference in fees. There's some companies out there that are still just uh, raping people with fees on unmanaged accounts. Yeah, and that's, I didn't know because 
wasn't it Lynch? Is that the one? Um, uh, I'd have to go back and look at my notes. Which now owned by somebody else. I know. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the other problem is is these companies get they merge, they go out of business. It, it is constant work to stay on top, and it's not easy to figure out anybody's fees. You know, it, it, for the no. most part, I used to depend on somebody else doing the research. Um, you know, Anthony Robbins did a lot of great work on this and found the lowest fees, but that's a couple years out of date. So all those things change. And I think even uh, the website, I think somebody mentioned the website he created at the time to actually go and check if your 401k is doing decent. Right. I I don't think that's even operational anymore. I couldn't find it the other day. Whatever partnership he had there, I don't think it worked out. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't find it the other day. I was Um, looking for it. It, it, You know, the biggest thing here is we've just got to get him out of that managed account because it was doing horribly. Yeah, and that I got to figure that out for the uh, um, the coaching program. Yeah, when I when I was parked and got started on the Zoom and you know had the camera and everything going, and then I got driving down the road and didn't have enough signal, so I had to just go to the call in and I couldn't figure out how to unmute myself. So I'm just a listener, I guess. Yeah, got it. <laughs> well, we'll see next week how it goes and see if I can figure out technology. There you go. So, but yeah, the the big ones that I know of and the most common, uh, Vanguard has always been low fees, but since Jack Vogel is retired and isn't with it, their fee structure is changing. They're, they still are the lowest, but, you know, I don't know how long they'll stay that way. Well, Fidelity, uh, Edward, Vanguard would have uh, been my go-to, but I realized I haven't checked Vanguard in a couple of years, so I better not say it until I go check. Yep. Yeah, they are. They are still low because I got Hero Price and Vanguard are the two that I use. And even the S&P 500 index, and I can't remember the numbers. I mean, it's point something maintenance fee. Their index are so low. Right. But I think it was a tenth of a percent more at Hero Price than Vanguard. Oh, really? Which doesn't sound like much, but it was almost double. (laughs) Well, they they are fairly low fees, and that's why I guess a lot of us never paid that much attention to them. The problem is, if you're investing properly, it ends up being a lot of money over a long period of time, and small changes in the fees can matter. Yeah. Yeah, it it wouldn't matter on a short-term account. Right. Long term, it, it matters. You know, yeah, just just like our compounded growth, it's compounded fees over the years. Yeah, exactly. So that's you got other calls come in, or I do. I can go grab some other calls. Good stuff oh. on investing and farming. Um, neither one of them I'm all that happy with right now. You got you really just have to work at this stuff constantly. Let's um, let's go to Texas. Mark, welcome. Hey, good morning. Uh, so I just stopped off on the way back from Austin and grabbed some lamb ribs right right before Bastrop and some brisket, and it was really good. I thought oh, you nice. Know that. Um, uh, anyway, so as far as uh, Alexander's, uh, I I buy their yogurt that's uh, cream on top from Sprouts, and it's yeah. about as good a yogurt as you can get get on the market. And uh, Sprouts. Sprouts and sometimes Whole Foods carries their products. So, uh, 
I don't, I'm not sure where they're located in Nashville. I know there's a Whole Foods downtown that I visited a couple times when I was over there for Nastic. Uh, well, I can actually uh, get Instacart from Sprouts here, but they had no Alexander Dairy whatsoever. It pr- might have been sold out. I don't know. Uh, they've they've got it in Houston, and I bought it at West. And uh, I, I think I bought some at. Uh, well, I think Whole Foods had it, but they were sold out. So because it's you know it sells out pretty quick. So last Friday, Tony called in and was complaining about, uh, before the show went to shit, uh, he was complaining about uh, having to call in and being tracked and all like that. The auto industry's been using apps ever since I pretty much got into it, and especially on the new car end. Uh, there's several different platforms out there that, that and, and now it's required, they will tell you that if you're going to haul their products, you've got to en- enable tracking on your uh, on your GPS through the apps on the phone because the the manufacturers want their loads tracked they want uh, they've given their dealerships uh, the ability to log into websites to find out where their vehicles are they can track it on the train they can track it from the ports and when they get to the port the the, the vehicles are tracked and uh, we we have to if you're going to haul these new cars you have to enable tracking and and I've had I've had dealerships in the middle of Mississippi and Slidell, they're like, "Yeah, well, yeah, we followed you. We we looked at you. We followed you on the on the load. You know, we saw when you were coming and where you were and all like that." Which doesn't bother me because they're paying me a lot of money to do what they did to, to do this. I, I I really don't have a problem with that. A lot of people Look, I, seem to think it's intrusive or whatever, but uh, I, that's that's. I understand why people get annoyed with ahead. with check calls. Or text, things that they have to respond to, that kind of stuff. I understand why that's annoying, and I wouldn't want to deal with that either. But if all you want to do is put a device or an app so you know where where my truck and trailer is while it's got your product on it, I could care less about that. And that's customer-driven. The customer wants that. So if you choose to ignore the customer, do that at your own peril. You know, this is another example of people and and i guess this just human nature you know walmart became the number one retailer for one reason and one reason only they sell cheap shit that that's it that's why they grew because they were the cheapest option everywhere and they made sure of it so all these people who say i've never shopped at walmart somebody's shopping at walmart and it's those same people that scream say no to cheap freight well, well, that doesn't make any sense. You want everything cheap as possible, but you, you don't want to get paid less to move the stuff, and that adds to the cost of everything. This is just another example. We all want to know when we order something, especially something big ticket, we want to know where it is and when it's getting there. But those same people turn around and go, oh, well, you're not going to track me. Okay, great. Don't do what the customer wants then. It's your choice. It's it's all customer driven because of course they, they want to know yeah, yeah they want to know where their vehicles are when they're getting there I mean I I delivered some to Austin Saturday evening and about sundown and they were out there showing a customer a vehicle on the truck and they were going to sell it right off the truck so yeah they knew the truck was yeah. coming they knew it was there and they they. He knew what was on there, and he was he was going to sell that that number three spot on there. And yeah. I just told him, I said, "You can't do anything of this till I get them checked in." I said, and I told the guy, and they went over there and dealt with him because he knew which one. He, and the customers were out there standing out back by the truck 
while I unloaded them because they were there and they 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 were ready to make a sale. And so you know that is all uh, customer driven, right down to the end user customer who wants that vehicle and is standing in the parking lot waiting for it. You know, speaking of speaking of Austin. I saw a post the other day. I reposted it because I, I was just so shocked. The, the the author's handle was Austin Scholar. And their post was that no child learns faster than any other child. That all children learn at the exact same rate and pace. And my only response to that was, you should take Scholar out of your handle. What an idiot. What an absolute idiot. There is undisputable evidence within families and everything. This is such an obvious, ignorant statement that I was just blown away by it. Unbelievable that somebody could be. That's not even ignorant. That's just stupid. Because ignorant means you you don't know something. How could you live in this country and interact with anybody and not know that people learn at extremely different rates? Well, human beings are not equal on, on that. Any, we're not equal on it's, anything. It's I, I'm never going to be a basketball player. In, I'm never going to be a rock everybody's star. Everybody's unique individual. Right. To, to say and, all children know, learn at the same rate. What, what just total stupidity. No, and no, do talk to teachers right now, and they will tell you that whole No Child Left Behind by Bush was one of the biggest failures in the educational system because they put special ed right in there with every other kid and uh, all the kids together, and it's just, it, it's so well, disruptive. I know teachers, for, and they will tell you the No Child Left Behind by George W. Bush was the single worst thing that happened to our educational system in the last 20 years. No doubt that the... The whole idea of um, we're going to design the system for the lowest common denominator was a horrible idea. We spend a boatload of money on education in this country, and there is no reason why our schools can't customize different tracks to different learning abilities. That's how it should go. You don't slow down the fastest car in the race to match the slowest car. That, that, that is a horrible way of doing everything. There's no reason why we can't have advanced classes that teach the fast learners, and allow them to learn as much as they possibly can. Had that happened, I don't know if this was my problem or not, but it's very possible that I started doing really poorly in school because I was so bored. I, I could learn my things like much, much faster than most people can. I, I still can. And because of that, I just started tuning out. I had no interest in learning at that pace. And to to do to do that system wide now is just it's criminal, in my opinion. You want to know another dirty secret about special ed? The parents get money from the government because their kids are in special ed. And if you're talking about a, a poorer family, they rely on that money and they want to make sure that their kids do not get out of special ed. So they want their kids in special ed because they get reimbursed for that kid being a special ed by the federal government. Uh, you, you shouldn't be allowed to be a parent if that's the way you think. That's, that's, that's ha- that happens everywhere. Yeah, you, you just uh, shouldn't be allowed to be a parent. He's special ed. He's, he's, special ed is like one of the most 
the amount of money that's spent on that that's wasted and the stupid things they do in that is just absolutely asinine and it will it will just make you it'll make your eyes bleed when you when you start learning about it and now I am and parents do do that let let's be clear I am fine whether we call it special ed or not when I went to school special ed was a very very small class and it was kids with really extreme problems I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think there's a lot more it's kids not. going through what they call special ed now. I am fine having a track that teaches to each kid's level. That is the way it should be. But all the focus now has been given to the bottom end of this and everybody else has been left out. And it's a horrible idea. They they bring they they bring the, the they bring the the level of education in the class down because right. of how and the teacher especially the teachers are in with the kids and they put them in with the other kids the 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 quote unquote normal kids they put the special eds in there because they don't the, the that's George Bush's no kid left behind so that's that's basically what that is. So, which is a disaster. The, the whole thing is absolutely a disaster. I agree. And it's, it, you know, our, our education system is bad enough as it is. We don't need stupid policies like that making it worse. Let's, um, let's go to Tennessee. Ilya, welcome. Morning, Kevin. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, threw me off a little bit. There's no more beep there. Yeah, we're, I've got to get used to this new system, too. I will say this. It's a lot easier, harder for me to hang up on somebody now. I used to, I, I even hung up on <laughs> myself a couple of times. I think this system's a little more stable for that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I was calling in originally about that, uh, the dairy discussion. Uh, I think it might be something weird here with, like, the health department about the raw milk and all, like, the unique dairies and whatever, because it's kind of hard to find in stores, but then if you go out, like, to anywhere where there's farms, it's all over the place. People just have a little sign in the front, similar, like, a, uh, like, elect your local mayor or whatever kind of sign, it'll just say milk by appointment only, and then their phone number, and then you call, and they have, like, all that stuff. Yeah, they which, usually have, like, honey, eggs, milk, and all that, whatever, and it's everywhere. Yeah, I, I should probably, when I'm, uh, you know, one of the options I have when I travel is that I, I've got a, a membership called Harvest Host, and it's a nationwide club, and they've got a lot of locations, and they bought a couple other companies up, and they're growing, and it's a, it's a pretty cool option. So places like farms, wineries, uh, places that have a lot of space will just open up their land and you can, if you're a member, you can come park on their land. Now, there's usually no hookups and it's usually limited to a night or two. You know, they don't want you coming in there and, and trying to live on their property. But it's a, it's a really cool option that I've used a lot of times and that puts me out closer to those kind of places instead of, you know, being closer into town right now. The problem with it is, uh, it doesn't work on extended stays. I don't have hookups. Um, mm. And when I'm traveling, they're usually not that convenient to the interstate. You know, it might be 20 to 30 minutes off the interstate, which doesn't sound like a lot. But on this trip, my travel schedule has been really, really tight where a half hour does matter. Yeah. So. Um, it, it, there are ways of, of getting all this stuff. And uh, this is, you know, I'm dealing with the same stuff you guys deal with when you're in the truck. It, it, it's out there, but it's not always going to work mm -hmm. out to try to go do that. 
Yeah, they're they're just like extremely weird here. Like I I spoke to like a few restaurant owners and apparently health department there is beyond easy like to deal with like restaurants and anything with food for some reason, but then they're I also know for some reason the same health department is crazy strict with pools for some reason. No idea why, but apparently it's extremely complicated if you have a pool. Oh, unbelievable. So yeah. It's like backwards. I'm like, it is. who even cares about that? I know. <laughs> oh, what but, a mess. Uh, yeah. And then uh, also another thing, the other day someone called and asked about the artificial intelligence and uh, like what like the normal person could do with it. Yeah. Like what the average user could do. Um, I think like it was uh, J- January, maybe December of last year. Uh, I started a, like an online pet supply store and I, it wasn't the original plan, but that's when like all the AI stuff was coming out. So I, I was like, all right, let me try it out. So I know nothing about programming. I know very little about marketing, like for websites, whatever, all that stuff. And I used one AI to generate the logo and color scheme, one to help me pick the products, one to set up all the uh, copywriting, like the descriptions and everything. Uh, one to do like the uh, social media, like literally I used one to make me just random pet videos that I made like a social media. Uh-oh. Uh, at oh, one point I even found like a competitor website and like I saw a feature that they had on their like product page that I liked. So I went back to that chat GPT and I just wrote, uh, I have a pet supplies website this is how it's laid out like just plain english and i want between here and here feature that does this i explained like in a couple sentences and i just wrote at the end give me the code to make that feature happen and tell me step by step in detail how to paste it and where and it worked there's there's no doubt um the caller i had didn't have a business and didn't have a business use for AI. AI is revolutionizing um, online businesses because of what you mm-hmm. just described. The, the challenge to an online business is design, uh, copyright, advertising. You know, it, those things are all difficult. And honestly, one person who understands AI really well can now take the place of about six employees in a company and and put out yeah. better work than what all six were combined. There's no doubt about that. Now, the, the thing is, like a lot of technology, especially cheap technology, it, it doesn't give you any huge advantage to use it because just about everybody's using it. The, the problem is it's a disadvantage if you're not. But there isn't any huge difference mm-hmm. now. Um, we put out more ads. We put out more copy. I put out more posts because I'm able to do it faster and better using AI. I, I think my images have gotten better using AI images. They, they, they get more clicks and interactions. My writing has gotten clearer and, and more powerful because of AI. Um, we use AI quite a bit in our company. Now, have our revenues really gone up because of it? Not really, not significantly at all. And so it's now just that, that fast because the technology is so cheap and so easy to access. Now it's just a matter of you have to be doing it just to stay competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe like save costs on late. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, 
all this stuff I'm doing, I probably would have had to hire like oh, you would have three to five different people to do it. You would have spent thousands. Took a few minutes. Yeah, you would have spent yeah. thousands. When when we we've used copywriters in the past, we've used graphic artists. Uh, there was a time we spent a fortune on having a graphic artist on staff because we did so much of this stuff. Uh, but Lisa has taken over a lot of that and she's gotten really good at it and she uses AI quite a bit to help her. And almost everybody in our company that creates content uses AI. I use it every day. But it, it, it hasn't created any big advantage. It's just now the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they actually even have... Uh the radio stations now here, like they put up a message like every maybe 15 or 30 minutes, whatever that says, like all their stuff is edited by AI, but they like go over and approve it and whatever before it's up there. Well, yeah. But, but it, so. so, of course, I try I read everything. You know, I don't let AI write stuff. I write the original post. Then I let AI improve it. And, of course, I still read it and spell check it because AI can make some very egregious mistakes if you're not careful. Every now and then, it will change a sentence. And when it's done, the sentence means the exact opposite of what I meant it to be. And it does that fairly regularly if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy thing that's coming in our world here. It is, and I, I, I wish yeah. it, yeah. I wish it didn't exist. I really do. I, I do not think AI is going to be good for us at all. But like I said, right now, um, we use it to stay competitive, and that's really um, you're not going to have any choice, especially if you create online content. All right, let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's on your mind today? Uh, a few things now. So the guy that went out of business that had the Volvo, it's easier to blame someone else for his failure than it is to say, I screwed up, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, blame someone else. You know, the, the, the post was just, I bought a Volvo, the Volvo's been a horrible experience, I'll never buy another Volvo. And immediately, I, I, I know, even if it said, a pack car with a Cummins, which I'm not a big fan of, I would have had the same response. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's not that manufacture that caused all these problems. It was your lack of understanding what you were buying. And what he was doing, probably overall, maybe. I don't know. Right. And, and Life's a learning curve. The reason I re- it's steeper for other people. The yeah. reason I responded to it is because I look at those kind of things as learning moments. I could teach him something, and I could teach a lot of other people something. Had he been willing to just come on the air and talk about it. I, 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 but yeah. he just decided he doesn't know enough about mechanics to come on the show and talk about it. That's the problem I was trying to point out to him. That was your mistake. Yeah. You did not understand what you were buying. You did not understand the problems that you were trying to get a shop to fix. Yep. And then uh, Mark was talking about the tracking on the new vehicles. Yeah. Well, my dispatcher, he has a tracking app that tracks the ship before it even gets to the country. <laughs> Everybody yeah. wants to so know tracking, where the their tracking, stuff is. Yeah. Yeah, the, the tracking starts long before it even... The tracking probably starts wherever it kicked off from, the manufacturing process. Once it's the complete product, the tracking has begun. Right. 
So right, yeah. which is which is a part of what blockchain was supposed to tie all this together and make it really really seamless, and that hasn't happened much. But human nature is we all want to know where our stuff is. We get emails all the time. Where's my yeah. shipment? Well, well, here's the tracking number. Go track it. But then, boy, oh, boy, they yeah. do not want their vehicle tracked while somebody's freight is on it. Yeah. So the dispatcher, he was tracking the ship, and it left Jacksonville, Florida, and it was on the way to, it was at Seabrook then, I think it was. And he said, oh, it's left Jacksonville, Florida, so it should be at Seabrook on the Thursday. Well, then the Thursday, he called me, he says, well, it's not there, it's at a port in Mexico. But he did he thought it was going directly to him, but now, it went down to a port in Mexico and picked up stuff and then came up into Houston and then went back east or wherever it went. So Now, yeah. here's something that seems to have changed since my last trip out. The last several trips, I've made the point that I never take a car with me anymore because it was too easy not to have one. Uh, with Instacart delivering yep. my groceries, Lyft driving me wherever I want to go. Um, Amazon or whoever and UPS and FedEx and everybody getting me stuff so fast. I even said there was a couple times where I was ordering stuff and getting it the same day. If I was close enough to a a decent-sized city, there were things I could order in the morning from, like, Amazon and have them that afternoon. This trip, that has all fallen apart completely. Every one of those services that I used to depend on has gotten worse. The... Lyft has gotten so bad. No, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is at all because this started – I left on this trip in September. There's no Christmas rush in September. There's no Christmas rush in October. And I've had these problems. So Lyft – I don't know what's going on with Lyft. Uh, Twice on this trip, I've had to wait over an hour just to get somebody out to pick me up. That's never happened before. Where I am now, and I've been yeah. here a little over a week, and I've been using Lyft a lot, I, I bet I've taken 12 trips on Lyft since I got to this place where I am right now, and I've only had two different drivers. I keep getting the same drivers. Okay. That never used to happen, ever. Now, I, 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 I like know these guys by first name now, because there's only been two of them the whole time I've been here with all these trips. And I've had to bump... Dairy product. Yeah, I've had to bump my service up to the black level, which is really expensive because I'm tired of dirt bags showing up with cars that you know they've been smoking in, which they're not supposed to. And then they try to cover it up with cologne. So now you can't breathe. So I I, I won't use the standard service anymore because it's gotten so bad. Um, I've talked about this, that stupid cable that I burnt on my Starlink. I've missed that delivery now three times. I have it coming to a place that I'm parked and it's supposed to get there by a certain day and it just never shows up. And then it shows up after I move. Now I got to go back and get somebody to ship it back. That's happened three times now. And yesterday... I decide I I got a couple little plumbing problems on the coach I need to fix. I knew I was going to need some parts, so I started checking around for parts. I just can't get them. That that's never happened before. This yeah. is not a weird product. It's a hose, and it's a fairly standard hose, and yet 
Nobody has it in stock. And the soonest I could get it delivered is like December 11th, which, you know, I'm going to be almost home. And I I, I can't forward it again because I'll end up not getting it. So it, 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 all of these things have just gotten significantly worse in the last year or two. I would agree. Yeah. So my neighbor around the corner from me that milks the cows, uh, I, I went around there about a week, 10 days ago, and they got 17 cows total, but they're not all dairy cows. They got some meat cows as well. But all the dairy cows are A2, and they they spent a lot of money setting this up. They built a brand-new milk barn and bought all the cows and the equipment and everything. And Oh, you know what? I think we lost that line. Um, let's try another one. Let's go to Ohio. Lynn, are you there? Uh, yeah, Kevin. Hi. Nice talking to you again. Good. You hear I me think, fine? Yeah, I can. I think Paul must have just drove out of coverage. Hopefully he didn't hit a bridge abutment or anything. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, last time we talked was probably like two, two and a half months ago. It's about my uh, basically. Or the, I don't know how to say it, but um, I have issues with a skin rash now, and I don't know where that came from. Other than years ago, I used to have eczema. Years ago, before I changed my diet. So is is this is this like back. eczema? It's. Seems like it. I mean, I don't really know the difference between eczema and psoriasis. Well, skin conditions are very hard to diagnose. All doctors, right. whether they're functional or not, it, it, it's very difficult to diagnose skin conditions. They all show up as the same kind of rashes many times. Uh, right. I will tell you this: it is it is diet related, whether you've cleaned up your diet or not. Um, one of the options. Right. right. Well, go ahead. Finish the story. Well. I've been following your diet for since 19, uh, I mean, not 19, 2016. And it, really, I've cleaned it up significantly since about 2021. I don't even put a piece of bread in my mouth. I don't eat or drink any sodas whatsoever. I don't drink alcohol whatsoever. Um, well, you mentioned bread, but, but what about grains? Grain? No, no grains. So no pasta, no crackers, um, no. The only type of crackers I'll buy is the, that brand made by Simple Mills. So they're grain free. Like so, so what about dairy? Dairy. Uh, the only dairy I have is I, I do make you uh, the yogurt, and I use that uh, organic valley half and half for that and. So that's the only dairy you consume is just yogurt made from Organic Valley half and half. No, um, I I buy really good aged cheddar cheese. I like I love my cheese. So one of the things I always recommend when there are skin conditions. That that that's enough. Once in a while, when there are skin conditions, I tell people just eliminate dairy completely, even the yogurt. Dairy is known for causing skin conditions. If that doesn't work, the next step would be to do a food sensitivity test. And and we have them in our store. There's a good chance you still have leaky gut, and that's what's causing this. This is an autoimmune response. Mm -hmm. 
see, uh, I had blood work done with Dr. Wilson here. It's probably been about seven months. And uh, his assistant, Laura, she put me on, the, oh, what is it? Helpers, uh, epilipid, uh, the gut repair, and the gut protect, I believe it's called. And she told me to take that gut repair and gut protect for a month. And so I did. And everything seemed much better in my gut. But recently I noticed, again, some stomach gas and stuff. So I started taking that, those two again because I had extra at home. And uh, and I've been taking uh, the Optilipid and the Heart Helpers all along. I haven't stopped. Uh, and I recently started taking that, uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, I have to look. The uh, Kickstart My Heart from Dr. Wilson. So let's go back. You had a problem right. with digestion. They recommended two products for a month. You took them for a month. Everything got better. When you stopped taking them, things got worse. What's the obvious step here? Well, I wouldn't say they got worse till recently. But you, well, right. When you were t they were bad, you took something, they got better. You stopped taking something, they got worse. What, what part of that am I getting wrong? Okay, I think I follow. Um, you know, things don't happen 24 hours after we do something. Right. Just right. like when you start a supplement, um, we don't always get immediate relief. We tell people this isn't like a drug. This takes time. Right. When you stop something, that doesn't right. mean you're, the results are going to happen within 24 hours. But there seems to be a clear oh, pattern no, I, here. Uh, right. Right. I understand that. Um, so you think I still have something going on in my gut? Yes. You know, and, and, so did, and so did yeah. Dr. Wolfson. His staff right. thought the yeah. same thing, that this was gut-related, and it's no coincidence that before I knew about your consultation with Dr. Wolfson, I said it was gut-related. So, so did they. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, well, I, I did start taking the, that extra bottle of gut repair and gut protect about five days ago. Okay. So I'll continue that for the, for the next 30 days or 25 days, whatever it is. And I would eliminate all day. And, um, yeah, I have. And if I that doesn't that work, that, and if that doesn't yeah. work, what was my next recommendation? Um, what did you say? Uh, account, no, um, I, I know I, I don't remember. I know you said it. And, and I'll tell you why you don't remember. You are more intent on telling me every detail of the story or contradicting what I just said instead of listening. This isn't a difficult case. Yeah. I, Dr. Wolfson already had you on the right track. I think you need to get out of your own way. You, you got to listen. Yeah. What I said was, if these things don't work, if it's not dairy exacerbating the problem, and you do gut healing and this does not go away, then I would do a food sensitivity test. Sometimes food even things test. we consider very healthy foods can be reactive. Eggs are a good example. Yeah. Eggs may be one of the most nutritious foods we can eat, and yet some people become very sensitive to eggs. Right, right. Right, and um, another thing I should tell you, uh, when I, I talked to Laura about last about a week ago, and she recommended I do a level two blood work. Which probably includes food sensitivity testing. And, yeah, I'm sure it does in toxicity testing and a bunch of other... So uh, I'm in the process of getting so, that So hold, hold on a second. 
here's where you're going wrong. You are under the care of a very, very qualified clinician. And yet in the mm-hmm. middle of it, you call me and start asking me questions. And it's very likely that I might well, send you off on another path. I'm glad you well, brought that, up the Dr. No, Wilson I, part. I, I don't know why you're right, just not I, sticking with their advice. Well, I am. I no, am, you're not. I, you wouldn't have called me today. No, not in the meantime. You're, uh, what I'm trying to tell you I is just, this is a bad idea. It's a bad idea to start asking other clinicians while you're working with somebody. If you get to a point where you're not happy with Dr. Wolfson with what they've done, then cut ties with them and try somebody else, including us if you want to. But I don't see why you would. You're in very capable hands. They've done all the right things from what I can tell. They've given you a new plan, several, and but you're now asking somebody else for advice. And I'm telling you, that's a bad idea. Well, let me say the reason for my call is I'm, I'm, I am following Dr. Wilson's advice. I'm just waiting for this blood work to get done. And I won't, I won't have results back on that till probably the new year. So? So in the meantime, going off on another, well, maybe you should just call Dr. Wolfson's team back and ask them what you should do about this rash that popped up. Right. All right. I I just thought I would ask you because I like listening to you. But do you understand why asking me was a bad idea? I see where you're coming from. Yes. All right. I just thought I could... Maybe you'd give me something I could do in the meantime, but if you don't want to, I understand. No, I don't want to, because it's a bad idea. You're under the care of somebody, and all I'm going to do now is confuse things. If if you were working with some standard American doctor and he was putting you on some, you know, autoimmune drug, this would be a different story. But you're working with the the most highly recommended clinician I know of. and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're yeah. working with you, and they're solving things, and they're giving you a plan. Don't ask anybody else right now. It's just going to confuse things. All right. All right. I follow. Okay. That's all I need to know. All right. So it, it just pay more attention to what they're saying and ask better questions with them. I'm glad the whole Dr. Wilson thing came up. I, I wasn't aware of that. I don't always think to ask that. But I, I, I've said this before. If you're working with a practitioner, do not keep asking other people for advice. It will just confuse things. Let's go to Tennessee. Clay, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. What's on your mind today? I have two questions, a little backstory. Uh, I was retired or semi-retired living on our family farm and a good friend of mine started this business and asked me to come help him grow and that's been a headache. But my first thing when I started, I was on a, and, and I still am because it was just me and him, a 1099 uh, for taxes made it easy for him. And I also own 250 acres of farmland that I receive roughly 50000 a year off of, uh, but Next month, we're going to start holding taxes out because we've grown. And I'm trying to decide, do I need to stay on 1099 for tax purposes so I can have write-offs for the land, too? Or would it be Wait better minute, for I, me I, to I, go? I, I got to go back and, and get clear on this. Explain okay. the business arrangement to me again. Who's doing what? Okay. Hey, uh, I'm the manager of a dump truck company. And then uh, my good friend is the owner. So, w- wait. So, and, as the manager, let's stop right there. 
very, okay. very few times are managers eligible to be independent contractors. So okay. first off, let's determine if you were even eligible. To explain your job description to me as the manager. What do you do? I oversee the maintenance of the trucks and the drivers, and I drive a truck myself. You, you oversee the maintenance. Is, where is the maintenance being performed? At our shop. And you manage that shop. There are mechanics that work in that shop, and you manage it. No, well, me and the owner are the mechanics. We, we do the upkeeper. We've been in the trucking business since 96. So who, so, owns, who owns the shop? Uh, the friend of mine that owns the trucking company. And you also drive a truck. Who owns the truck? The same person. You are not an independent contractor and never should have been. You're an employee. Okay. Well, we, okay. And, and to do it so, because it's easier doesn't matter. It's easier to rob a bank than it is to go earn money. It doesn't mean we're allowed to go rob I, banks. So there, you were an employee and, and should have been treated as an employee. Okay. So it's best just to, so I need to go on and start getting taxes out. And, yeah. And it's not best. That is the right way to do it. It's correct. Okay. And I, I, I'm kind of touchy what, about this subject. And there's a reason I am. I believe in the independent contractor model. I believe it's one of the best things our economy has, and it's under attack. And it's, it's situations like this that allow groups to attack it, and they're correct. When, when the independent contractor model is abused, it makes it harder to defend the independent contractor model. I understand. And, and basically, I guess it was just as ignorant on mine and his part on how, ta how the tax law works because that's that's why you know, when it, we when we run a business sometimes we have to pay people for advice your, your accountant should have been able to easily explain this to you uh, well he just swapped to a new accountant and, and that's where the the uh taking everybody from a 1099 to a w-2 come in is we're going to start that like i said it's starting in january i just didn't know if i could Stay as a 1099 in that way because uh, off my land, I you know generally make about 50000 a year. Your, your land uh, has nothing to do with this job. Just because you are an okay. independent contractor in one role does not mean you're then legal to be an independent contractor in every role. Every time you okay. do work for somebody and somebody pays you, there has to be a determination made. Can you, is it even legal for you to work as an independent contractor? And in this case, the answer is no. Okay. That answers that question. Um, I have another question if I can ask it. Sure. That I need your opinion on. Sure. Uh, we have a older truck. It was the second truck that he bought and I drove it. And the, uh, is a 99 international with the 11 liter 60 series Detroit. And the engine got dusted due to a mechanic, and we're trying to decide: is it worth spending the fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to rebuild the motor in that truck because we know the truck in his truck, or is it better to go spend that money and buy update a truck? Is this a cab over? No, no, it's a, a ninety-one hundred A cab. Okay, it's an O R and L carrier's truck. What um, what's the current fuel economy on that truck before we lost the motor? It was getting, because I drove it, uh, averaging around 6.9 every day. That's not horrible. How many miles are on this thing? Uh, the truck has got a hundred and, I mean, 1.3 million. I'm sorry. 
Okay, so when we say a motor got dusted because of a mechanic, explain that. We had to have some injectors put in it, and when he <clears throat> tore everything apart, you know, to put the injectors in, he didn't put the air breather back in right. And we uh, we go in and out of fields a lot. We're in very dusty conditions, and not it lets dust get past the air filter. No, he hasn't started that, but I've been on him to do that. An oil sample but would have saved the, this engine. Now, let me ask you this. At, when, at, when, if ever, has this engine been rebuilt? Uh, 2011. W what was the mileage? How many miles have we put on the rebuild? I have no idea because uh, the previous owner is the one that rebuilt it, and we didn't get no documents on it, but um, it had a stamp on it from Detroit showing that it was rebuilt in 2011. So, my take, I don't know if I know enough about that. I mean, what kind of shape is this truck in? Is it, is it a truck you would, it, let's say there's nothing wrong with the engine, is this a truck you would still take to work every day? Yes. And I've driven and, it as a backup truck to the one that I'm driving now when I've had two, to work on it. Two, two caveats here. One, since it's already been in-framed once... It's a better idea to do an out of frame, but that's going to be more okay. expensive. So I would probably consider on a truck like this to do the best in frame I could do. And if I could keep it under 15,000 and the block is in good condition, that's what I would do. If the block's not in okay. good enough condition to really do a good in frame and it needs an out of frame, then probably not because we're going to end up in the twenty-five or $30,000 range by the time we do that. If I could do a decent in-frame on this truck for 15000 and the block's in reasonably good condition, I would do it. If nothing else, it'd be worth 15000 to have a backup truck. Okay. That's what, and our mechanic said that he could do it. We have, For that, you know, I can do a lot to trucks, but I've never tackled tearing a motor apart, so... Um, yeah, and we it, have a very good mechanic. So there, there, there's one advantage here. I'm assuming your mechanic's on the clock anyway. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a good friend of ours that we know that's going to do it. So you're going to pay him, a, 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 and we don't have to be exact here, but you're going to cut him a check for 15000 and you're going to get a truck back with an in-frame done? Yes. Okay. I, I, again, I, I don't know his level of skill. There's a lot of unknowns here, but if I could get this done correctly for 15000 or less, I would. Oh, yeah, I trust him to do it correctly because he's one of the best mechanics around Memphis, and I know him, and I've seen some of his work. So I trust him, and that's why we decided to, if we went that route, let him do it. Yeah, I, I think if it can be done for fifteen, it's worth it. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Now, if you can just tell me where I can hire responsible drivers to drive all these trucks, I'd be doing a whole lot better. But. They, they, it's always been a challenge, but I have to believe that that's one thing that's getting a little easier right now. I thought so, but and part we're of the, kind of in a recession. Yeah, part of the problem, so, even, our, even though I said that, part of the problem is we're still early into this. And most of the drivers that are losing their jobs at this point are out looking for other jobs. In my opinion, most of them aren't even hireable. And that's the problem we've we've ran into. We've tried, and and we haul, uh, lack of a better term, well, sewage 
and our contract is good for 20 years. So it's not going anywhere, and we have plenty of work, and it's good money, but Payer, when people hear what wait, we haul— Well, hold on, because I, I thought I heard the solution there. Pay them more. What was that? Pay them well, more. And that's what we're looking at. What, what is what is an average what what's the most one of your drivers could make in a year what's the most one of them has made in a year uh eighty five thousand is what the most one and i mean that's the only one we've got to stick with us because when they get to hauling what we haul they don't want to deal with it even for eighty five thousand yes then you might have to pay I heard a, a driver. That's is, what I told is, you. I is, is there enough profit the road. in the truck to pay a hundred? Yes. Well, then, yeah. My next question would be then that if you want better drivers, you got to pay for them. And inflation has made uh, everything go up, and the cost to drivers is now more expensive. And that's where we're at now. Uh, we grew up to ten, just couldn't find drivers, and the we tried hiring drivers straight out of school. Um, well, why? That was a disaster. Well, well, well I, I could have told you that. Why in a more specialized job that people don't like for certain reasons, why would you go that direction? I, I, you should be going the opposite direction. You should be looking for better drivers and paying them more, not going to the school. We tried that. And, Kevin, I'm going to be honest, I have no answer because you know, we've talked and tried. And part of the problem is dump truck drivers in our area – um, they're used to <clears throat> just getting hired and, you know, not exactly following all the guidelines with drug tests and everything. And we drug test all our drivers. Well, you have like to. Like you're supposed to. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of folks around here don't do that. And that kind of hurts a little bit, too. Well, but, yes and no, because uh, if you're really hitting the right pool of drivers, they're not using drugs and they wouldn't be afraid of a drug test. You're reaching the wrong people somehow. And I, I don't, I've tried zip recruiter. I've had several good prospects from that. They go through the interview and then don't show up to work you know, on the first day. So I well, don't know if we're doing something wrong. Or... Well, there's no doubt employees have become far more challenging than they've ever been across the board and, and drivers alike. But right now is, is probably the best environment that I've seen for hiring drivers in about eight or nine years. So yeah. if, you're, if you're still struggling with it, I have to believe you're either not paying enough or there is something you're doing wrong, but I'm not sure what. And we're asking ourselves the same thing. And I, I guess it's going to have to boil down to we're just going to have to pay more money and to find the drivers that we need. Yeah, one of the things you may want to look at, you broke up a little bit, but it, it sounded like you grew really fast. How many trucks were there at one point? We went from two trucks up to 10. In what time frame? About three months. Oh, well, there's your mistake right there. That was a horrible idea. There's no way you can grow a trucking company that fast. Not Now, look, if you were going from 50 to 75, that would even be easier than what you did. But to go from 2 to 10 in three months was a horrible idea. There's your mistake right there. We, we found that part out the hard way. It, it was... We luckily we was able to sell down and get back to you know right now we're at four. Well, right, but and, but, uh, but, our let, hold, hold, but but hold on, 
let, let me explain what it, um, I can read between the lines. To go from two trucks to 10 in three months is three full-time jobs. That's three people busy all the time trying to find trucks, inspect trucks, buy trucks, get trucks put on the road, hire a driver. Then to go from 10 to four is another full-time job. You have had no focus on actually running a successful trucking company. You are spending all of your time growing and shrinking. You can't I, even I can, think I, I agree. straight. I can see. That there, is the, there is the problem right there. We just identified it. The, the last however many months have been spent growing and shrinking, not running a successful company. You haven't had time to run a successful company. I agree 100%. I mean, my wife will even tell me, get off the phone, quit working. And it just seems like it's a never-ending thing. Trying well, to well, well, you created that, though. Yeah, you, you created That's, that situation, and it's going to take some time to get out of it. it. And trust me, I know I did this. I grew from <laughs> one truck to 11, but I did it in about 15 or 16 months, maybe 18 months. And that was way too fast. And then I had to shrink back down and then I had to get two trucks and figure out how to really, really make them profitable. And I went back to driving one of them, but this is the problem. Don't look anywhere else. This whole growth too fast is the problem. And you're still dealing with the fallout from that. Yes, we are. And, and I'm hoping that we're able to calm down and slowly start again. But, are you, you know, we're are, not, you know, like we, so there's four trucks left. Are you tracking profitability on each truck? Yes. Do you, do you know those numbers? Making profit. I don't know the exact numbers. I know we're making profit on well, each but, truck, but, but, but I don't but, know but how hold much. On a, hold on a second. The, how much is critically important? I, I'm going to use an extreme here. You said the truck is making profit, but you don't know how much. What if it's only making $100 a week? I know it's making more than well, that. Give me a number. Um, the then. Owner, you get, I, I'll, I'll believe you know it when you give me a number, because otherwise we're just guessing. I know. Well, I know my truck and my truck is making twelve hundred dollars a week profit on average. No, it's not. Yes, it is. All right. Then you should not have driver problems. Let, let's just do some math here. Twelve hundred dollars a week. That is almost $5,000 a month. That is throwing off $60,000 of profit after everybody's paid, including the driver. If you can't afford to keep a driver in that truck, I have no idea what you're doing wrong. That is incredible amounts of profit. I never achieved that much profit on a single truck. And I ran a hell of a profitable operation. I wasn't even close to that. Yeah, what we just, we found a, a little niche in the, business uh, locally and it's worked it, out I but mean, it hasn't worked out that it, it's not working no, out something it, yeah. isn't making sense on the story you grew too fast you almost went broke you're shrinking and you can't keep drivers you're telling me that the your highest paid driver makes eighty five thousand a year we'll give him another twenty thousand out of that that profit that's there and he'll be making over a hundred and you'll have no problem with drivers now, what's the next prof- most profitable truck? Uh, he makes his truck averages because he doesn't run quite as hard as I do. Averages about nine hundred dollars a week profit. And how much is he getting paid? Uh, he's averaging twelve hundred dollars a week. Bring home. 
So he's making 60000 a year. Yes. But there's a whole lot of profit left that you're not sharing with him. Okay, so we Excessive need to up the pay profit. And- Excessive profit. Now let's, and here's how I would approach this. What's the third truck doing profit-wise? That's the one we've got to put a motor in and we need a driver for. So well, that that's not a four. That, that's not a truck anymore. If it's not on the road making okay. money, it's no longer a truck, and you've got some decisions to make. But that's only three. You told me there were four, and one of them doesn't okay. and, even and exist. And there's a fourth. And there's a fourth one that uh, it makes because it's a rental truck. That's uh, why uh, is it a rental truck? Because our customer needed a rental truck and come to us with it, and we bought a special truck for that customer. But it went back. You know, it, that's how he was able to grow is because we have one particular customer and when they need something, we get it rental done. trucks are a horrible and, idea, horrible idea. All the money, all the profit from the truck you just gave to the rental company. But this one, this rental truck was paid for when we bought it. Well, wait a minute. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. Are you renting this truck or did you buy it? No, we bought it. it no, then no, why no, did no. You, I'm sorry. Let me. Let me. Let me you said clear we have that. a rental truck. The company that yes, we own the truck, and the company that we're leased on to rents the truck from us. For how much? I get to explain that situation uh, to me. Who drives it? They have a driver that drives it. It, it never. It's kind of like a yard truck. It's a dump truck that you know never leaves the plant. Um, they pay for the maintenance, the upkeep, the fuel, the driver, and they pay six hundred dollars a week to rent that truck. So that's free and clear profit. That's free and clear profit. So just off some rough numbers, it seems to me like the owner of this business is pocketing about $2,500 to $3,000 a week in profit and then complaining he can't afford good drivers. Uh, that, that might be part of the issue. Uh, so I have, a, I have a saying. Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. He's being a hog. Share the profit. I will talk to him about that. Those numbers to me sound horrible. It sounds like he's living really, really well and then wondering why he can't keep drivers. If these contracts are that profitable, then pay somebody what they're worth and get better drivers. Makes sense. I mean, that seems to be the issue to me. This does not seem to be a shortage of money. No, it's not that. I, I, it seems to me like I, I, I would not have a, a, an issue at all keeping drivers in an operation like this. How often are they home? Oh, we're local. We're home every night. I, when I had an operation with half this much profit, I had zero turnover in a waiting list for drivers. Well, that, that told me the direction I need to talk to him about going to. He, he needs to stop being a hog. I will have that discussion with him because I, you know it, it was uh, it was a headache trying to find drivers. It, and, and it, we're getting, I I don't know if he would be open to this or not, but this would be an ideal uh, situation for my coaching class. I will talk to him about that um, and see what he says because he's listened to you before too when. And we, I, we both started listening back in the XM days. So sounds to me like he's got a hell of an opportunity here, and he's blowing it. I, I've felt that several times, but uh, there's only you know I can tell him. But no, I get it. it. It's I, 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 
I get it. I have to lead him and, to to lead him to it and prove it to him. Yeah, I get it. And this this strayed a long way off of whether or not you should be an independent contractor or not. But I'm glad we had the conversation. Uh, I am too because uh, you know, you really helped me and and gave me some good ideas and set me straight on that. So and the truck and the engine too. So all right, keep me updated. Will do. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right, I'm going to grab my last call here. If you want to jump in, I'll stay as long as we've got calls and questions. 319-527-6791. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. What's up, Kai? Man, it sounds like I've operation there. Shouldn't have problems getting drivers, man. Can, can I, mean, you, I drive and dump and... Yeah, yeah can, can you see how, you know, we had a coaching class the other day and it was so much better. I was able to dig down, get answers. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we got as much accomplished on this call as we did, but we almost didn't. I, I could have missed all of this easily, and I, I think there's an incredible opportunity here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's... We, like the place I work for, we got like 70, I think it's 78 now they're up to, uh, 20 trailers, and then the rest are triaxles and quads. We go through a lot of drivers, but that's just because people don't want to come to work. You know, when you book these trucks, you know that, any, any truck. You book a truck to work, you need somebody there to work the truck. And if well, they don't show up, well, then that truck's not booked. So, well, and I, I mean, I, it's I, not hard. I get that. And if you're running a van operation over the road and your drivers are gone three weeks at a time, that's a real challenge. There's not a lot of profit there. It's harder to get them home. In an operation like this, With if that profit is correct, and I can only assume that it is, if it is and the drivers are home every night, this is a slam dunk. The last problem he should be having oh, is drivers. Absolutely. I mean, we, we don't have a problem with drivers because he gets all new equipment. He reinvests back in equipment, and then uh, he pays us. I mean, we get a raise a lot. I mean, I've, since I've been here, I've gotten four raises, well, five, five raises and, and a decent amount. You know what I mean? And this guy, like I said, this guy's got a lock down here on all the concrete plants in the Myrtle Beach area pretty much, and we deliver all this stuff yeah. in there, and they're doing a lot of building down here. So, I mean, he takes care of us. You know, we get, like I said, the, the people that work and come to work and don't call out get, 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 get decent raises, you know. And if you keep doing that soon enough, you should be full of drivers like that, and turnover shouldn't be a big problem. Absolutely, yep, yep. All right, so my question is because Matt brought up a good, a good thing. Now, my 401K through my job is mass mutual, and Kevin, there's no other way to put this. I'm getting raped in, 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 uh, in fees. Like there's like fifth like the, I, I, this is what I do because uh, I'm able to do it. I'm gonna have to change this as I put 33 percent of my thing into my into my 401k. The company matches four percent. Okay. So, but I'm getting I mean I'm getting dinged for like every month almost fifty something dollars in. So here's in uh, here, here's my recommendation on employer plans. So. How much do you have to put in to get the full 4% match? I got to match them, and that's what I was thinking, just matching it. Just match them. Because I opened up a yep. bank, just match. And then, because I opened up a four, I mean, I opened up one of them Vanguards. You know, I was talking to Matt. Matt recommended one, and I got the thing where I could. So I'm just thinking of just put, match the 4% and taking that amount of money that I know what I get. My check is basically the same. I pretty much work anywhere from 55, and that's a light week to to 65 hours a week, you know? 
So, I mean, I know my checks are pretty much the same, you know. So I could just take that money that I was throwing in, you know, into the the 401k and I just put it into my individual account. That's always my recommendation. The employer plans are always horrible as far as what choices you have. They're really restrictive. Their funds usually aren't very good and their fees are high. And, and these companies stay in business because they go out and they create employer plans and people just put money in and nobody asks any questions. You're asking, yep. you're asking questions. You saw the fees. But I would never tell you not to put in enough to get the 4% match. That's free money, and that covers an awful lot of fees. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, right. like I said, I and be, I'll be honest with you, I never looked at it. I, I what I did was I, I they gave me all you know, my choices of funds. Right. I sent it to my guy up in Staten Island, and he said, "All right, this is what the, this one will work best for you." I was like, "All right." So then I, when I filled my paperwork out, that's what I put. He said, uh, "Pay, pay, put in as much as you can you can handle," and that's when I you know I upped it up just as what I'm putting in. But I see no. This is this is ridiculous. So I, I kind of figured that was what it's the thing to do, but I just wanted to. Yep. Needed reassurance. Yep, you've got <laughs> All it. All right, thanks, Kev. You're welcome. Thanks for All the call. Right. All right, let's go to Illinois. Roger, welcome. Thank you. My question is about Garmin Diesel GPS. I had a five inch and it went belly up, and I bought a seven inch and so happy. But now I've lost the the voice on it. No longer comes through. I could just buy another one. My issue is I have a lot of saved. Uh, destinations in there, including sometimes I haul uh, fertilizer to farms and I've got yeah. directions directly to a tank I need to go to. Is there any way to transfer that or do you know? There, there probably is um, because of different models and versions and software. I, I won't even attempt to try to tell you how to do it on that particular device. My, my recommendation would be called Garmin Tech Support. They, they've always been really good anytime I've ever talked to them. And I, I, I'm about 90% okay. sure there's going to be a way to export those addresses out of one device and then re-import them back into another. Do you, okay. do, so, you ever, okay. do you ever connect that device to a laptop? Have you ever connected it to update it, or does it, do you do all the updates over the air? This one, this one, this one. I, I, it's been a long time, but yes, I have. Without even calling, without even calling tech support, you might want to just hook it up to your laptop and see if you can figure it out yourself. The settings might now you may not find those settings anywhere on the device itself, but when you plug it into a laptop and open the right software, you may find that this is an easy thing to do. Gotcha. And so, if uh, not, then I would call tech support. Diet. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So. I did really well on your keto diet. I have a, I have a fire service related shoulder injury and it hurts every day, but it didn't while I was on keto, but I'm addicted to silver. My question is, I think, I think I need to do the fat digestion kit and I bought it, but I never got the directions. Can I still get those somehow? Yeah, you can. Just call tech support. We can send the protocol out to you. Um, if nothing else, if you just want to get started, just take them as it's directed on the bottle. Okay. You know, we, we, we have protocols and, and yeah, we have, we have protocols and we try to tweak these things, get the very best results we can, but there'd be nothing wrong with just taking the stuff that's in the kit, looking at the bottle and taking it by those directions. Okay. Okay. Why? Thanks for everything you do, Kevin. You are welcome. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. 
All right, uh, we've got another call coming in, so I'll hang out here for a minute or two while we screen this call. In the meantime, if you want to jump in and join us, I'll hang out. 319-527-6791 is the number to join us. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, uh, I really didn't have much at the open today. Um I talked a little bit about learning the correct lesson. I think that's a lot of what's going on with this fleet that I was just talking to. I don't think they're learning. That, that, and, and I understand why. Uh, they have a great opportunity here. They got excited. They grew too fast. That, that's a common mistake. I made that exact same mistake myself. Now they're trying to shrink and save the company, and I hope they succeed. But that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for thinking. One of the, you know, I talk about you can learn a lot from your mistakes, and I'm a big fan and believer of that, but I've also said this, maybe I should say it every time I talk about this, you have to avoid mistakes that are big enough to put you out of business. That's very, very difficult to come back from. So making mistakes, not a bad thing. It's how we learn. But you want to be careful that, one, you're not making mistakes that are big enough that they're going to put you out of business, and two, you got to learn from your mistakes, and sometimes, and I think this is one of those situations, they got so busy with all of this growing and shrinking that they're not able to learn the lessons they need to be learning right now. Let's, um, let's go to Georgia. Harold, welcome. Hey, Kevin. The guy that called in about the, um, the Garmin thing can absolutely hook up to his laptop or, or a computer and transfer to a different one or update maps and all that stuff. Good. I've done it on three different ones. Good. I, I kind of uh, figured that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Back, back to the one of the original conversations. My first job as a young boy was milking my dad's two cows in California, and he had his own customers that would come and buy gallons of milk every time with the cream on the top. All we would do is strain it for oh, cheesecloth. That's all we did to it. This was back in 1962. So, that, you know, with two cows, you didn't have to have any licenses or anything like that. We had about 30 cows, but we only milked two of them. And that was my first job. He let me keep the money, even though it was his cows, uh, his customers. I you mean, know, we lived it, in a small town, so we knew everybody. But yeah, my first entrepreneurial but, deal, of the, the feeling of I was making my own money, you know? There you go. Hey, hey let me, you know, because a lot of people are just going to think, oh, come on, milk is milk. No, this is one of those products that the, the quality and the source absolutely matters. I've even backed off a little bit on the grass-fed meat and pastured chickens and that kind of stuff. You know, if you can't afford it, eat the regular stuff. It, it's still better. Dairy, though, if you can't afford the best dairy, I would probably tell most people to eliminate it. And the, the difference between... Here would be ideal. Ideal for me if I could get organic, grass-fed raw A2 milk from the farm. That to me is almost a superfood. The stuff you buy in the grocery store is is almost toxic at some point. The quality becomes so poor. I got to where I didn't, we, my mom would make our own butter and I did not like butter when I was a kid. I don't know why, but I love it now. Oh uh, yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm unsure, but on the tracking devices, I haul private cars for people that are moving, 
and many times I'll get they'll put the little air tags in the cars. Yeah, uh, and I don't mind it at all. Sometimes they'll tell me about it, and sometimes I'll just see it on my <clears throat> on my iPad, which I use for my ELD. It'll say, "Hey, the, you're <laughs> right. being tracked." And, That's right. <laughs> but I, I'm calling them, day, you know, every few days and let, sending them pictures. I'm letting them know where I am anyway. But it just, uh, I don't mind. And a car is a pretty big piece of stuff. Yeah, you're not kidding. But, you're not kidding. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's uh, here's you're the a, a good trip though. Yeah, it, for the most part, it's been a good trip. Yesterday was a little frustrating. Uh, I I really didn't want to work on the plumbing yesterday. I actually wanted to hire somebody to do it. And I was talking to the people at the RV place here that I'm staying the other day, and I said, "Hey, do you know any good mobile guys?" And they handed me his card and said, "Yeah, call this guy." So yesterday, I, I went back up there again, and I said, hey, do you have any other mobile guys? Just in, I, I'm going to start calling, and just in case this guy's busy or whatever. They're, no, no, just, just call him. He's the best around. And I said, well, well, I get that. But if he's that good, he's probably busy, and I'm on a time crunch. So is there a plan B here? No, no, just, it, just, just call him. I'm like, all right. So I call the guy, and he immediately says, what's the problem? And I said, well my macerator pump went out and when I took the panel off to see if I could figure out why, I also discovered I have a leak in the black tank. Well, I don't work on black tanks ever, no matter what. I'm like, all right, I'll deal with the leak. Like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll deal with the leak in the black tank then because I've already got the panel off and I can fix that myself. So I'll just do that. And then he starts in telling me how to fix the pump. And he's like, well, you got to make sure you've got, it's probably just a breaker. And I said, no, that's not on a breaker. It's on a fuse. I checked the fuse and I did find a problem. The fuse is okay, but I realized somebody put a 25 amp fuse in and it's only supposed to be 20. I said, it's possible I just burn up the motor. He says, well, you got to get to the motor and check the power. And I'm like, look, I know how to fix this. I don't want to. I want you to come and fix it. And I'm willing to pay you. So I, I don't need a lesson on how to fix it. I want you to come fix. Well, uh, yeah, I can't get out there at all today, and I might be able to make it out late tomorrow, but then I'm going to have to get part. So I, I said, look, thanks for your help. I'll just do it myself. It's just getting so difficult to get anybody to work anymore. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, we've shrunk from nine trucks down to just me and my little dog. Now. Yeah. So <clears throat> it, was a, it was a slow process. We had guys for 29 years luckily the same guys yeah for all those years and one by one they just a couple of them are dead now and some others went and did some other things but yeah i was listening to that guy's uh, problems when you we were talking to him and uh yeah they need to pay more money they need to set up a 401k and a health insurance and all kinds of things to attract good drivers with, with that kind of and profit you can afford to absolutely uh, yeah, you have you have to do it. Otherwise, he's not going to have a business to. Uh, he's not going to be able to service his customers unless he gets yeah. the right people in there. And that's why we were able to keep our guys for so long. You got to put the golden handcuffs on them. Yeah. Well, ha had this been a case of you know dry vans and you know irregular route over the road stuff, I, I would say you've got a big big challenge right now. It's not easy to run a company like that right now. But this opportunity sounds like a pretty incredible opportunity. And if they're not careful, they're going to blow it. Yes, exactly. No matter if they do have a 20-year contract. They yeah, can when, always cancel it for non-performance, probably. 
when I heard they, <laughs> they added that many trucks and then I heard they did it in three months, I'm not even sure how you do that. It's pretty tough. We went from one to four in a week, and that was that was uh, <laughs> that's a challenge that, that, too. That was a lot. That well, that was after listening to Anthony Robbins' thirty-day program. For okay, financial success. Uh, it, I listened to that thirty-day program in four days, and, and, and you Monday got, I had one truck, and Friday, <laughs> Friday I had two, bought two used ones and ordered and, a new one. <laughs> t- Tony can be kind of motivating sometimes. Oh, absolutely. It changed my life. And I I so enjoy listening to you. I know we've kind of had the same journey and and, uh, through Anthony Robbins at at different times in our life and listening to talk radio and books all the time. Yeah. uh, Just, I I wouldn't have it any other way, though. I mean, right now it's in the, you know, I'm, I, I got to admit, I'm towards the end of the runway here at 70, 74. So I got. It went, but sounds I like still a good run. Enjoying it every That's single right. day. That's it, right. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah, it's been great, and you've been a big part of it. And I miss you in '07 when you were at the truck show there in Las Vegas. You left a day early, and I wanted to meet you then, but never have been able to do it. That, that's pretty unusual for me to tr- leave a truck show early. I don't remember that. You know what? That would have been. It, it, um, was, it was a third. I think it was '07. No, no, no. It was before that. Okay. In, in a, yeah. The Las Vegas I truck show remember. in 07 was actually unique. I do remember it for one thing. That was the first time I met Bruce Mallinson in person. You know, it must it had to have been before that because uh, Rob Boydston was there with a pink Volvo truck loaded with pink Volvos inside the inside the show. Huh. I met him there that day. Yeah. But but I think it was a Thursday, Friday and Saturday maybe it, it must. When did when did you start on XM Radio? Um, I got my own show in April of '07. Well, then it had to be '07. Yeah, April because of '07. Was probably in um, August. Within probably the first in August, I guess maybe. Within the first two months of being on the air, Bruce called me on the air the first time. That was the first time we ever spoke to. You. Well, wasn't the first time we ever spoke to each other. I called him once at Pittsburgh Power, but he wouldn't have remembered me. Uh, so that was the first time he was ever on the air. Then he became a regular. And then the truck show was either July. I, I think Las Vegas used to be in July. Um, so that was the first time I met him in person was at that show. Okay. Yeah, I think the show went Thursday to Saturday, and you had left Saturday morning. You know, now that I think about it, that's highly possible because Lisa and I had a big ATV trip planned uh, in Utah. So we may have left early for that. Yeah, I did never hear an explanation why, but that was the closest I got to you, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, well, it's been, it, you, it, you've been so helpful over the all these years. Uh, you know, we went from... Uh, from frozen food distribution and the car hauling in 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 ninety eight and uh, and then then I stumbled onto you and and you saved me just Good. last year my savings on the fuel alone was eleven thousand dollars on one truck incredible on the Nastic yeah uh, and, incredible and that doesn't include that doesn't include slowing down right <laughs> that right yeah that, that's awesome that's that's saved. It saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for all the support. I appreciate it. I I still think you've got a good run, a good run in you. I'm pretty sure of it. 
Let's, uh, okay, we've got one more call in the screening room right now. I'm going to grab that here in just a second. Oh, it looks like I can grab it right now. Um, let's go to Dylan in New York. Dylan, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, this is kind of a follow-up. I called. I spoke to you. It was on a Friday, maybe three, four weeks ago. You know, you the were there. I was calling for your opinion on a 98-9400. Uh, had like 800,000 miles on it. Um, and so I just want to follow up. I just want to follow up, um, you know, because it was it was towards the end of the show. And, you know, I... Uh, you know, it, the price was coming in at 10000 and uh, you and I forget the other guy, Joel, I think, were just like, hang up the phone right now and go buy this thing. Yeah, you know, I, re- it was such a good deal. I remember. Yeah. Yep. So I ended up at 8500 with the guy, nice guy, and uh, he did a few other things at the deal. He brought it in his shop and, you know, replaced some, you know, a couple of parts for me and stuff. So Okay. So I'm just looking to see, you know, more or less if, if there's anything else that, you know, you might do to this thing just to um, get it, I guess, ready to go. I mean, the guy said he would change the oil, but I've also heard you say, you know, I wouldn't bother unless the oil sample tells you to. Yes. Uh-oh. Dylan, so, are, oh, are you there? I thought I lost you for a second. No, I'm here. Okay. So maybe I meant, was there a question about the oil sample? No, no, no. I, I, I've heard, I, I think I've heard you say that you wouldn't change oil unless the, uh, unless you do an oil sample. Cause a truck, as you recall, maybe recall sat for a year or so, you, but he said, I would change the oil. I would, uh, you know, in, do in a, a bunch of maintenance stuff in, to in, it. In a case like this, I might change the oil. I mean, just to get a good fresh start. Um, we can absolutely tell the condition of the oil, everything we need to know with a sample. So if you wanted to sample this and wait a week and get the results back and, and leave that oil in, you could. Um, I imagine we'll see some oxidation, but it, the oil may be completely serviceable. Now, the other way to look at it is, okay. uh, what if I just start fresh? What if we just start with new oil? I operate it. We'll sample in 25 and we'll go from there. There's no wrong answer on this one. You could flip a coin. Either way would be fine. He says, uh, I asked the mechanic, it's like Canadian pride oil or something. So I I don't even know where I'd get that. So I'd probably change brands anyway to, you know, the Rotella. Even if you could get it, I would probably change just because there's not any big advantage to using some of these weird kind of off-label. It might have an API that makes it fine for that truck. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that oil. All I'm saying is why use an oil that's that's such a niche market and hard to get? Yeah, okay. Because I I can tell you this. Nobody is ever going to convince me that it's better than Rotella. Yeah. Okay. So why not use the oil that that's good, works great, um, always shows up well in oil samples, and is easy to get. Uh, yeah. So we, you know, we had spoke briefly. So I put the 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 catalyst in there. Uh, you know, I got I was going to get a fast and a, um, you know, the fleet air filters, like you say, all that type of stuff. The oil bypass, right? 
Right. Mostly all all that stuff. I mean, that's the basic stuff that you would do. Yeah. Well, doing I, nothing. Well, I do everything that we've proven works that I could do. I mean, there's a pretty long list. Yep. Remind me again, what year is this truck? It's a '98. So on a '98, it's got the almost everything yeah, we've ever talked about. You can do. Um, you could tune it. Okay. You could do a manifold. You could do a fleet air filter. You could do a high flow exhaust system. You could do a flow below. You could do air tabs. We can do a fast or a, or an air dog. I, we could do the OPS. We could switch to synthetic. I, I'm probably missing a couple things, but the, that that yeah. was those years, late '90s, early 2000s, before emissions. Those are the trucks we proved all of this stuff on. Some of the newer modern trucks, they don't need these things anymore. Um, but in that year of truck, boy, there's a whole list of things we can do. Yeah, I remember you saying you you would consider tuning it to around 500, but was it Joel said, don't go crazy because of the transmission? Or um, He may have said that. I, I don't. I would have no problem if I thought it was right tuning it to 700. The transmission wouldn't bother me. Okay. Those limits that they put on the transmission of torque and that, there, there's a huge fudge factor in there. Um, we have pushed okay. differentials and transmissions way past their stated limits. And with a good driver, I never see that as a problem. But I'm not recommending that. I think the reason I yep. recommended five to five fifty is that seems to be the sweet spot. More horsepower than that doesn't seem to make the engine more efficient, and it makes it a little more difficult to drive. But but I've around there, you think I'm that it might become more efficient as well. Well, I'm positive it will. It always does. Oh, okay. Now now the reason right. we don't always see the results is because a lot of people get happy with their right foot when they have more power and torque. And you can easily yeah. wipe out any of the efficiency gains just by driving habits. But if you take that truck and you tune it to, to that five, five and a quarter, somewhere around 550 or so, and drive it properly, there will be a gain. And especially okay. if, you, if you tell Leroy or whoever's tuning it, you want efficiency. You don't really care about the horsepower and torque. You want more efficiency. They're going to give you more horsepower and torque, but they can focus on the efficiency side. All right. Um, I guess another question along with this was your you, this new coaching thing you're doing. Does that help? Um, is that mostly geared for people who have businesses established? No, it is geared for anybody that wants any kind of business or financial or health advice. Because really, we've combined okay. all of the coaching. We do a health coaching event one week. We do a business and financial the next week. But we do a coaching event every week. And when you sign up for any of them, you're eligible for all of them. And there, there are really no requirements or... If somebody said, it, honestly, if somebody wanted to join the, the group coaching and they said, I'm not even in the trucking industry yet, but I want to be, well, then join the club yeah. because I'll make you as successful as you could possibly be. Now, if somebody said, I've been doing this for 40 years and I'm still struggling with one truck and I'm worried I'm not going to make it through this recession, well, then I'd want them in the program too. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah, really I was in it. it, it and it, now I left it. Now I want to get back into it. You know. You know. Part, yeah. On a part time basis because I still have a full time job and I just want to. Yeah. You yeah. know, I enjoyed it, it so I want to get back in. But you know, I'm having you know not issues, I guess, but it's like things that things that I thought were going to happen. You know, through your book, your your program, I you know I have your right. holding the steering right. wheel program. Yeah. You know, you know things that it, I. The reason for me starting the coaching was this is what I love to do. I, I love to help people. Yeah. I, I've been doing it for a long, long time. I'm pretty damn good at it. And I just realized that there was a lot more I could help people with if I wasn't limited to what we do on the radio show. Okay. And so this would this include also maybe pointing people in the direction of certain carriers that might work? Absolutely. Which it is would've. something I don't do on the air. You've noticed right. I, I really, you know, I would recommend Landstar, still would. I, I think Landstar is so yep. unique in their offering. They've done such a good job that even though I don't have an official partnership with them anymore, I still recommend them. I, I think it's it's just a, a unique opportunity and it works well for a lot of people. Other than that, you almost never hear me recommend a carrier for somebody because it's yeah. too hard to do on the radio show. My information is too limited. But you've been yeah. through the program. I think the most extensive chapter in that whole program is how to choose a carrier. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I yeah, would help somebody with on the coaching program. I, or something, I think, right? There's a, there's a lot of work in my chapter on how to find the right carrier. Yeah. A lot oh. of work. Yeah. And I've even made the statement over the yep. years, nobody will do everything I recommend. And I'd still stand by that. The list is just too long. But the yeah. more of the things you do on that list, the better your outcome is going to be. So in the coaching program, I would help somebody work through that whole process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just your list of <laughs> pseudo questions about what to ask, you know, right. while you're looking at carriers is so extensive. And then I think you recommend 15 at first, and then you try to whittle it down to three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's hey. a lot of. And then when you get it down to three, you try to prioritize your top one and you start going to visit in person. Yeah. Yeah. And spend I mean, a I mean, day think, or two there. I think there. the Landstar thing would work well for me. I just don't qualify. So. Well, that's been uh, the biggest challenge over the years. Their qualifications are tough. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That, yeah. That's one of the reasons their program uh, yeah. is so strong. Yep. I agree. So, just out of curiosity, along the line, I know I know they say a year of over the road experience, right? Is one of their things, right? Now, besides the obvious answer, what is the what is the difference between somebody that did line haul and somebody that did over the road? I mean, so some I of this, I sleeping and some you know, of but, this, I will tell you when when companies put in requirements, it's not that every single requirement has a specific purpose. Sometimes it's just having requirements. It just helps weed okay. people out. But I will tell you, there is a reason for this one. I've done both. I've done over the road, irregular route freight. And I've done line haul mm -hmm. for a lot of years with FedEx. And I will tell you yep. that those are two completely different things. And if you were to hire a new driver without a lot of experience, I would put him in the line haul operation in a heartbeat before I'd put him out on the road. There's so much control over mm. this operation on line haul. You're going to hook up in our yard in Orlando. I'm just using my operation as an example. 
you're going to drive yeah. to one destination, you're going to meet somebody, you're going to swap trailers and you come back. How many things can go wrong? But if I give you some directions to some goofy little shipping place that has a horrible dock and there's three low bridges trying to get into this place and you have to get there and get, you know, 18 pallets loaded and then you've got to find another address eight states away. How many things can go wrong on that operation? A lot. And you're going to be stressed and you get there and your GPS was wrong and you find a low bridge and now you're even more stressed and you got to get out of it. That's when you're likely to have an accident. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The line haul operation is a breeze. Now, the last place I would want to put you is where I started on day one. And that's doing 25 stops local in a day and, you know, trying to finish it in eight to 10 hours and getting back to the terminal with all your pickups. That was a nightmare. That was trial by fire. I did that for a while. Yeah, that yeah was, I that, did that for a while. That now, was... I'm glad I did it because it is a, a huge um, learning opportunity. You learn fast to do a lot of difficult things back into places that are tight, deal with traffic and time limits. And so it, it's a, it's a great way to train, but it, it's uh it's a little tough as your first job. Yeah. So I was, I remember uh, winter, uh, the, the truck I had old Mac didn't have power steering and I'm trying to get into this spot. I w- I had my hat off, all my jackets off. I was down to a t-shirt, both windows open, sweating. Yeah. You know, trying to back into these places. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. It's, it can it's be a tough. tough job. Yeah, it's a tough job. Yeah. So that's why. And, and the year, um, you know, look, they might look at somebody and say, well, yeah, you drove for a year, but you drove intrastate Florida. You've never seen bad weather. You've never seen a mountain. Mm-hmm. I, and now we're going to turn you loose over the road and bad weather and mountains are the two biggest dangers and you've never experienced it. Yep. Yeah. No, I know. I like you said. I for for what I'm looking for, I think Landstar would be great. But I just you know I don't qualify for it, so I got to find something along those lines. You know, um, Schneider's but, Choice program might be worth looking at. Don't I went on? The problem is you got to go on these websites. I went on and it says uh, I I thought it said the the truck's got to be a 2011 or newer. It's possible. Yeah, tr- the carriers do have year requirements. I wish they would get rid of them, but they do have them. I've spoken out against this yeah. policy for decades. I think it's a stupid policy because I promise you, I can I can find somebody with a tractor that's only a year old and that's a piece of crap. Well, and I can find somebody with a, a 25-year-old about... tractor that will be dependable and safe. The The year of the tractor has nothing to do with anything when it comes to dependability and safety. Well, and listening to a lot of these shows like yours that I listen to, you know, this, this international that, that I have has N14 in it. And people rave about that N14, almost calling it bulletproof. No, I do like call that's... it bulletproof. That so N4- that's less reliable than a 2012, you know, you name well, it, it. I don't know. But. Well, it, it can be. But my point is yeah. that the year is meaningless. So we should just throw it out. Not going to say that yeah. a new one is more dependable, an old one is more. De- that there are no blanket statements like that that actually work. A truck is dependable and safe because we make it dependable and safe. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what year it is. Yeah. But okay. it, it, it's very possible that they do have that policy, and then that would rule you out as well. Yeah. Yep. 
So I'll look. I'll look again. Is there a is there is is uh, Schneider Choice a different? The, um, yeah, the the Choice program. Look, and this may have changed. I haven't dealt with this in a couple of years. Um, but when Schneider okay. brought out their Choice program, I studied it and I was pretty familiar with it. It was basically a copy of what Landstar does. You don't work on a okay. central dispatch. You you run a load an internal load board and you dispatch yourself. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll take a look for that. It's awesome thing. Yeah, I gotta I gotta find places like that. And now you know, there's a there is one other option. There's here. an Amazon near me, and there's a FedEx near me. But um, Amazon's kind of a tough way to go. I haven't been very impressed with Amazon. Yeah. And you have to remember, Amazon's um, their approach to everything is is cut cost. Yeah, and that means they're cutting yeah, cost in transportation. Either, yeah, so. Um, not to say yeah. you can't make money, but I, I, I haven't been really impressed with it. it when do you okay. when do you plan on pulling the trigger on this? When do you want to be out on the road pulling freight? Well, I, on a part time schedule, because like I said, I still have a full time job. I would do it now. How many know, how many miles finding... how many miles do you think you can reasonably put in with your full time job in a month? Let's say. Oh. Um... I don't know a few a few thousand I would say three thousand. I mean, yeah, I would say three. You know, yes. Yeah, probably not enough. Four hundred miles I, each I, way. You know that type of thing, and then you know. One of the I other possibilities, but yeah, but your yeah. insurance is going to be the tough one here. If you could find an yeah. insurance company that would write a policy based on the limited number of miles, and there are some out there, and you could get a reasonable okay. insurance rate, one of the other options is just get your authority. Okay. The only downside I see to it is the cost of insurance might just price you out of that market. But if you had your own authority, you could go work for Landstar's brokerage. You could work for any brokerage you want. You'd go find some customer direct freight. It's not easy, but it's possible. Yep. Uh, since this isn't, you know, your only source of income, this is kind of a an add-on. If you could figure out the insurance part of this, and like I said, I would look for companies that, that do a pay-by-mile insurance. Okay. And that at least gives you one more possibility. Now, I think I stepped over you after you were talking about uh, Schneider Choice. You were going to bring up another it, Getting your own authority. Oh, okay. Getting yeah. your own authority. But, but, right. And then I realized you were, I, I remembered that you were limited on how much you were going to work, and insurance will be the issue there. If you can overcome the insurance thing, that may be a good option for you. Yeah, the cost of the insurance. I, I might not be able to make enough to even cover it, right? Is that what you're saying, or not enough to even bother? Correct, because it, it in in yeah. most cases, insurance is a fixed cost. You're going to call somebody, and they're going to go, mm -hmm. okay, one truck with your driving record in your state, insurance is $22,000 a year. Well, you can't afford that. On 36,000 miles, there's no way. But there are insurance programs out there that charge based on the mileage you're going to drive. And if you could find one and we can get those premiums down enough, then it may be an option. Okay. Yeah. Right. More work to do. More work, work to do. And then this would be a great case for the, uh, the coaching program as well. Yes, I'm pushing the coaching program because it's, uh, it's a great program. 
uh, and it's really going to help a lot of people, and I enjoy doing it, so you should join. If you have any, any kind of business issues, you want to grow, you want to survive, you want to get healthier, you want to plan for your retirement, you want to budget your money better, anything. I mean, really, it is just a, hell, it's a coaching program. I would help anybody with anything that I have some, you know, good information on. Somebody wanted some help in investing in real estate. I've been doing that long enough now. I could give good advice on that as well. So the coaching program is, is pretty much wide open. Ask me anything you want. If I don't know, I'll just tell you I don't know. If I have some advice, I'll give you some advice. All right, we're going to wrap this up. I need to get on with my day. Great show. I don't believe we had a... I probably shouldn't say this. I did this on Thursday. I bragged about how well the show went, and then Friday was a dumpster fire. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to brag today that uh, I think this one went off pretty flawlessly. I don't think we had any any audio issues, no technical issues. Most of the calls are pretty clear. Um, maybe we're on the right track with this for now. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Mm. We have a short week on the show this week. Friday, I will be in the Nastic New Entrant Survival Training Course. And I know I've got several listeners that are going to be there. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. Uh, a couple people I know, a couple people I haven't met yet. Uh, so there will not be a show on Friday. I'm not sure what's going to happen on Thursday yet. We'll see. We might have to play that one by ear. Uh, a lot of it will depend on uh, how the rest of my week goes. So I'm going to get out of here and go get some things done. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.